Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome on in. It is Jonathan Peter and G. Bush in today. What's up, man? Don't swerve. Don't, I, I don't, don't ever swerve. Dave, you listening? Yes, G. Bush is in the building. You never know when I might show up. Somebody put the bat signal out there with the clippers on and I was like, I'm in here. Yeah, you guys heard Ken yesterday. Ken battled. I appreciate Ken battling. You know what was very nice about Ken yesterday? Because Ken knew he wasn't feeling very good. And he was like, I'm, I'm not going to make it tomorrow. And then he went around the room and was like, I, listen, I'm sorry. I know this is a, it's a, it's, there's nothing happening in sports right now. And so I, I apologize. And I'm like, that's, that's, that was class act by Ken Carmen. Because most people would have been like, I'm sick. I don't feel good. And I'm going to be nowhere around you people. Yeah, uh, you, you know, uh, when you when you make it to the levels that Ken uh, has reached, um, you know, he don't even need doctor's notes no more. He just be like, just give you that look like it. <laughs> like it's not going to happen not, tomorrow. It's not happening tomorrow, big dog. That's basically how it went down. <laughs> He's out on the couch like it's not happening. You know what I'm saying? And everyone I, understood. Now, Ken's earned the benefit of the doubt, though, because Ken doesn't. There's some people in here, I feel like, and maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking, but I feel like there's some people that, you know, they, they do the whole act, and then they build it up, and then, like, they wait on it, and they do all that. Ken doesn't – Ken's not the boy who cried sick. Yeah, Ken, Ken games through these things often. Like He's you, earned the benefit of the doubt. You progressively work your way up. You start off at six, like, I don't even know if I can really do this, but, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to fight. And then you progressively get worse by eight, and by the time the show is over at 12 o'clock, you do your after, after meeting work, you're like, you know um, – I'm just really down right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just give him that look. Be sleepy in the face. And then all you then you just know automatically I ain't coming tomorrow. You already know what that is. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So we got let's we have some business to take care of here, okay? Let's do we it. have I just need to let people know. We're still doing about last night. We still have two second trivia at 745. Scott Reynolds, the pewter report, joining us at 820. We'll talk about Mike Evans there, Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com, nine o'clock hour. We're gonna get into a ton about the Cavs. We still have Mitch Apalooza, so Mitch Please is still gonna happen. We still have Owen running the board. So we're just gonna have a lot of the same elements and the same things, but obviously Lime was out and uh, and Ken is out, and it's me and G Bush hanging out with you guys. Now, you heard that clip. What I loved about you and that clip that we just played that Owen played leading into this, was uh, you laughed at the appropriate times. You, I like that. You, you you understood the moment. You got yes. what we were talking about with LeBron. But I don't know. Did you? I, I have no idea if you caught the context of the conversation or anything. And we're going to get into a, a Cavs convo here in just a second. But I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on LeBron and yeah. whether or not if, if he ended up stealing and taking Donovan Mitchell in the summer, if you think I'm right or you think Ken's right, doesn't matter either way, as to whether or not LeBron would consider the Cavs' feelings in that in that discussion. Uh, when you refer to like him stealing Donovan, yeah. Mitchell. So like, there's two people okay. that could end up with the Lakers 
by all accounts, there's two people, two names that are going to end up with the Lakers this summer. If the Lakers are going to really try to make this serious run with LeBron and then set up the post-LeBron world as well. It's Trey Young and it's Donovan Mitchell. Those are the two names. Ken maintains that they wouldn't entertain Donovan Mitchell out of legacy and what he means to Northeast Ohio and everything else. And I'm like, I just don't see it that way. LeBron is a he's a stone-cold assassin. If he can help him win a title, he's not going to care about the Cavs that he's way. He's poaching that. He's poaching him off top. Like, he don't care about those. <laughs> he's like, oh, what's the price tag? The only thing I think you would think about is like, okay, what does it take to get him in and trade? And do we have enough left over afterwards that we can make a substantial run? For me, I think it's the exact opposite. If LeBron was smart and would understand it, he made some cryptic comments about his farewell tour, whether he'll go out like Kobe or Duncan. Like, do I want the whole big extravagant farewell? You mean, you mean Kobe where he scored 60 points in his final yeah. game on like 75 shots? Yeah. And, and, just and, just and, kept chucking in 75's hyperbole, but pulling, you know what I mean. Kept pulling, and every arena they had the tribute, and it was just, you know, it was, it was so heartfelt. He milked it. He and, milked it big time. I think that uh, LeBron actually, uh, it, it's not that he does not want the attention. It's just the fact that he, I feel like he feels that he's underappreciated. Um, you know, when you go to L.A., mm. and you're not Magic, you're not Kobe, you're not Wilt, you're not Shaq, you're not, you know what I'm saying, you Jerry West, you got all these dudes that, that LeBron, Kareem. Kareem, like that falls under. He was like, okay, well, maybe if I win the scoring title, right, I'm going to win it in the Lakers jersey, and they'll, they'll, they'll love me, no. Maybe if I get a, uh, you know, maybe I've got a championship for the for the Lakers. And they just scream out, uh, Mickey Mouse championship, yeah, bubble yeah. championship, oh, doesn't that, count. It's COVID championship. Yeah, COVID championship. So they robbed him of his medals there. Now he's thinking like, man, you mean to tell me y'all really don't like love me like that? Like he has second thoughts. Like if I was in Cleveland, I bet you I would be able to get all this off. And so my thing is, why would you go to, why would you bring Donovan Mitchell to L.A. where you could just go to Cleveland for free? And by the way, it's the only way you get your son because off. His, because his family's there. And I know his family can move, obviously. So that's not the biggest equation. But his family really likes L.A. You know they like L.A. Bronny likes USC. They have all that uh, connection there right now. I know it's weird to think about it. But Bronny, Bronny actually has more ties to, to California than he does Northeast Ohio right now. But he, I, I, okay. He first went there because he wanted to make Space Jam 2, right? That's kind of the, that's kind of the thinking. Right. He wanted to make the movie. That movie absolutely sucked. Tanked. Waste of time, Horrible. waste of everything. No legacy. Space Jam 1 was a million times better. I hate that I even have to refer to it as Space Jam 1. It should just be Space Jam because they never should have made number two. But Bron, I don't think it's as easy as just coming back. I think there's a lot of business ventures and a lot of things he loves about L.A. He's got that ownership group that owns the Red Sox now. And so they like they have a, in Liverpool, or I think Liverpool is the soccer team, a lot of different – he's got his hands on a lot of other things, right? Yeah. Maybe he ends up in Vegas. Maybe he owns a team in Vegas. He ends up in Vegas. It is what it is. Is he that tied to L.A. right now? I, I, because I, because what we were asking him to do, or what in the hypothetical, what we'd be asking him to, to potentially do is cut off Northeast Ohio. With uh, There'd be a lot of people that would hate if, if Donovan ended up going to Los Angeles. So you would be, again, he'll always be a legend here. He'll always have a title. He'll always have everything else attached to him. But L.A., as you mentioned, I think you make a good point. You got Magic, you got Kareem, you got Jerry West, you got all these all these legends of legends, Kobe, all these guys that have played there. You're never going to be those guys. So why risk it all to be the sixth best all-time in their eyes? When you're, when you're one or two in the sport all-time, but in Lakers' eyes you'll be fifth or sixth best all-time? Is that really worth it? And, and, and you know, even his son, 
his son is adversely affected by it because look, you basically were Ohio State. You sponsored their basketball team. You sponsored, you give them kicks. You go and stand on the sidelines and say, this is great how we're being recruited here. Why would your son go to USC just to come off the bench? And I watch it, and I watch the little clips. Like, he's, he's, he's deep in the bench. Oh, you know I'm a gambler. <laughs> I watch a lot of USC basketball. I hate to admit it. My wife probably hates that I admit it. Watch a lot of USC basketball. The man's a good passer. He's incredible defensively. He's and very he good defensively. Hustles, but he, do, good he does kid. not. He does not play in important moments. Oh no! I watched an overtime game last weekend, and he was riding the pine. One of the most important stretches of that game, he was nowhere to be found. They can't. They can't trust him offensively. He, so, he's a good. He's a good defensive player, though. He made a couple of really good defensive plays. So for me, I look at it like this. But he's not an NBA player. You watch him. No. If his name wasn't James on the back of it, he's not an NBA player. And. We've all been told that uh, Bryce James is the real deal, but uh, he's True. a three-star. Uh, and he has no offers except from Ohio State and a couple other places. If LeBron was smart, he would say, look, we're going to transfer to Ohio State. They just got rid of their basketball You're transferring coach. to Ohio State. Okay, I yeah, like this. I'm playing with you Transferring to okay. Ohio State. Uh, well, get, when they when they hire Greg McDermott. Yes. And right. so you got Bronny, and now he's going to play. He's going to get shots. He's going to play. And he'll actually have some sort of shot at playing uh, in the NBA after next year. But he's already that that ship has sailed for this year. Yeah, I mean, I thought they was going to just give him the nepotism. Uh, listen, like <laughs> no, no, you got to still well, be someone good. <laughs> like, I was like, at least they gonna give him that I Ivanka Trump. Like, at least get that off. And you can't like, even get the Austin Rivers treatment no, right now. No, he can't. We'll, get the we'll just we'll let you be good, and then you can you can develop on your own in the NBA. I thought they was gonna give him that Hunter Biden, and you never really came down <laughs> to the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Never quite turned out. Reckless for speculation. <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> I thought I was coming with nothing. I, I like how uh, you go political, I go athlete. You go political, I go athlete. I'm like, I'm steering you to athlete. <laughs> it was, it was Let me steer you to athlete, please. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, it, it was a sneaky double down, but not really, though. No, <laughs> like, not when really. you go LeBron, aren't you going political? Yes, yeah, that's, that's what, what I've read on my Facebook. That's what the internet tells me. Yeah, anything that's bad is political. But no, LeBron comes, think about it like this. You, you get him here, you give your son a chance to make it to the league, the other son goes there, and you, if you want to really sell it and put him in, in, co in college, right, you really want to sell the narrative, make him stay to his junior year and he can play with his brother. Yeah, Bryce and Bron, he's at Ohio State right now. That might actually be cooler than him playing with LeBron in, in the NBA. Facts. Brothers playing together, and, helping Ohio State. And, and then by that time, we could talk ourselves into the Cavs drafting him. <laughs> it won't hit that bad. Really, I mean, is it like the Antetokounmpo family? We just need to take all of them all at once? Yes. And and, and you could just sit them right, you know, put them we'll with We'll take them. Thanos. We'll take uh, Thanos. We'll take all of them. Yeah, and, and and by the way, there will be no slander of Thanasis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be no slander. By the way, you could just put them that's over. Where we, that's where we draw the line today. Yeah, yeah no, no, no slander. No slander of the, the third Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I love I love blatant nepotism too. Like I just like the fact that they ain't even gonna try to act like that was it. Nah, you're right. He's only he don't even win the league. Stop playing with us. Let me ask you this. I don't know how much of All Star Game weekend you caught and everything, but uh -huh. but there was a there was a comment that Shaq. So Shaq's talking to Damian Lillard. This is on TNT, mm -hmm. and this is All Star weekend. And and listen, we're gonna get to a Cavs point on this, but I want to play this first for you guys. This was Shaq giving advice to Dame. Here we go. Dave, I don't have any questions. I'm going to give you some advice because I'm your big brother. Yeah. I've been in a position you've been in before. Kenny's been in that position before. You and Giannis, you're being too nice. Yeah. When it all said and done, it don't work out, three people going to get blamed. 
Doc, you and Giannis. So you and Giannis got to make sure the troops get it done. There's no reason, that, but with Doc being there, y'all should be three and seven. That right there is on hurt. So y'all, right. so when you get back, you're going to have to g- grab some people by the necks and say, hey, this is what I need you to do. So you're right. that's my gotcha. advice to you, young brother. Gotcha. I agree that it's all going to fall on those three people. But I was thinking about this in a Cavs perspective. He says that Dame, Giannis, never answered to Cooper, I want to throw out there. But Dame and Giannis and Doc Rivers, they're all too nice. Right, they're too nice. They're they're being too nice about this whole thing. Do you feel like the same thing applies for the Cavs, or do you feel like Donovan is mean enough that it's kind of overtaken the the thought process that maybe this Cavs team is a little too nice? Oh, uh, he got them together in the off season. I go, I look specifically. I was mad at Jared Allen. I was I was hot. Once I, dubbed the NBA's nerdiest player. All that nice guy stuff and smiling as people smack you and back Solves you. Rubik's Cubes in his free time. They doing wrestling moves off the top rope on you, and you just taking it. Like I'm like, bro, you got to quit this. I don't know why I'm equating Rubik's Cubes and being nice, but I am. Yeah, like he's doing all the above. Like I think he takes like Iowa tests. I think he just takes standard eye tests for practice. <laughs> What's my ACT score at? <laughs> I'm just seeing about I, I, I don't know like, that I've ever heard that used. <laughs> That's great, though. As a cut down on <laughs> Like, I think, I think Donovan Mitchell, man, like, he's like, and, and this is why he earned my respect. Like, to do, there's games where he's playing Chicago on a Tuesday night and the Cavs get down by six and he ain't having it. He's just like, no, I will not let we us lose this game. Right. Like, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to play defense. And, like, he just earned my respect because, like, they could have folded like a, a, a cheap tent, like when, when Mobley and, and Garland was out. But Donovan was like, no, I'm not only going to step my game up, I'm going to be intense. I'm going to have the best career speaking, passing the ball. And who would have known Donovan Mitchell had this game and he could actually facilitate and, and be the tip of the spear. So, for me – I think Donovan understood the way that pe- people was mad last year because the Cavs played very well in the regular season. We thought they was going to give us something. Yeah, 50-plus games. Yeah, they, we thought we had something. And the way the Knicks came in with these no-name gangsters and did us was just disrespectful. I think this year um, he's definitely rubbed off because look at the way Jared Allen's playing. And I think Jared Allen's got to be exhibit A, right? Like we talk about like, – you can make jokes about him wanting to take the practice test and all that stuff, <laughs> but he but he is that guy. He, he I is. mean, he is that guy. And when you watch him throughout this stretch, I think last year, if Donovan didn't exist on this team, I think Jared Allen would have melted down in a weird way. I think I think he would have turned into everything we think we know about Jared Allen previous to Donovan. But I think with Donovan, he was like, hey, it's you and me. We got to make this thing work. We're going to do it with Sam Merrill. We're going to do it with all sorts of guys that a lot of people in the NBA have given zero credit to the entire stretch of the way. Look how it's worked out for him. I, I I feel like we have what Milwaukee doesn't. We're looking for advantages for why we could be a number one seed, why we could be the best team in the NBA. We have currently, within Donovan Mitchell, something Milwaukee doesn't. People people don't like this, but I, I want to let people know, don't think that if Donovan Mitchell goes somewhere else that you could just, oh, we still got Darius Garland. Nah, it's different. Like I, I, <laughs> I, th- I Yeah, and I think Darius might be a little too nice. Oh, he's definitely too nice. Like, he... He he has no care in the world. He's like smiling, just having it. He's a guy at the rec center, just having fun. Just mm-hmm. everything's an open run to him. Every, you know? And yeah. he, the guy that just shaking hands, good job, good game, guy. GG. 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 No, it's not. No, <laughs> no, I'm supposed to clown you right now. 
All right, uh, we come on back. We're going to get to about last night. What did Peter King have to say about the Browns playing in Brazil? We'll talk more about what Peter King had to say in roster construction and trying to figure out what exactly happens with the wide receiver room this offseason as well. Ton to get to. It's Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush with you guys in for Ken and Anthony right here on The Fan. Now the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night. All right, back out of here on The Fan. It's Jonathan Peter and G. Bush in for the guys this morning. We'll start off with Peter King on Afternoon Drive yesterday as he talked about the Browns playing in Brazil. And I think the NFL is going to say at the end of the day, all things considered, Cleveland's the best candidate to play the Eagles in a huge marquee game, the first game ever played in South America by NFL teams uh, in the history of the league. All right, bad for bad for high school football. That's fine. I actually think it's good for the Browns, though. I do too. Um, like you, you know, it, you, you got it. We got to get out of this. Either we want to be like no respect, or people don't like us, or we don't put us on national TV, or you want to evolve and get to the point where you're you like the Giants, or you like the Eagles, or or some of the teams that they put on marquee uh, games. So for me, I love the setting. I love to see it, like in, in being able to see a game in Brazil and, and how it looks and how it would look. I think it's a good look for the Browns. I think it's, it's something that they should embrace. I also love the idea of playing week one and getting it out of the way. Facts. You, you got to play so many international games. I love doing it week one. You don't have to worry about it week 10 and all the travel and all the unnecessary stuff. Week one, everyone's fresh. Bonding opportunity. You go overseas. You have yourself a good time. And then you come on back and then you lock it in. I think it's huge that the time change is not big. Too. That it's only an hour or two? Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting the extra days off and your body clock's not getting too messed up mm-hmm. and you might be able to catch them like you caught the Bengals. like every it's it's an even week teams usually play you know either you know really good or they play trash and then if you do play trash you can say i'll look you know it's an excuse we was in brazil <laughs> we played the eagles let's get back to track See, but i actually like playing the eagles and, well I, tell me if you think of this or not the eagles were so bad they started 10 and 1 last year and then crumbled in a way where i maybe they start off week one and if they lose to the browns that's just it's good night, Jim Kite. They're just done. And and the uh, Sirianni era is just over in yeah. Philly. I don't know. But uh, I, liked, I liked them with their – I liked the way that they ended and then us taking them on week one. They haven't had enough time to convince themselves that they're actually good again. I kind of like that. And I like the fact that the chatter in the offseason is Jalen Hurst, that dude, did we, did we kind of anoint him a little too quickly? I like to catch him early too. Do you think some people did? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I do. I think after some of the limitations that you saw last year where people just caught up to him, right, you know? I think it's going to be tough with him. I, I agree with you. I tend to think we did anoint him a little bit too early. He did play in a Super Bowl, and in that Super Bowl, he was the better quarterback. Yes, he was. He was a, he was a better quarterback in that game than Patrick Mahomes was. It's odd when you have the weapons he does, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, all these different type of guys. And then to, like, ever have a season that looked as bad as it did from week 12 on, uh, you know, for him last year. But I got some some soul searching to do. You lose you lose your offensive coordinator in Shane Steichen. And a lot, lot disappeared for that Eagles offense late in the year. All right. Uh, more with Peter King. The NFL does not want divisional games played overseas. Even though it has played five division games out of, however many, I think 45 games, something like that, as international games, they don't like to do that. They would rather have the division games be on American soil without giving one team a big advantage over another. only problem with that, G, is that so many people spend time 
once every four years being like, oh, it's the Eagles and the Browns. I'm from Philadelphia, but I live in Cleveland, and I'd love to see this game or vice versa, right? You get it once every four years, and if it's gone international, then now all of a sudden I get that game once every eight years in certain instances. And that just – I think that kind of sucks. That sucks for the fan of – uh, grew up in one city, but then lives in a different city or something like that. And, and the Browns have a lot of fans that way, where they, they're you know born in Cleveland, but then they go and they, they live somewhere else. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes to with, with, with how the Browns played this year. There were Dr. Jekyll and, and Hyde, when you talk about sure, the home, road, home, splits. Rome, home road splits. Like, they were a completely different team defensively on the road. So, like, are you going to say, all right, well, let's – Let's give Pittsburgh an opportunity to play in Pittsburgh, but we got to mm-hmm. play in a neutral side game yeah. where they are where they travel well. Yo, we never figured that out, by the way. We we asked Stefanski. I, I had Daryl ask Stefanski, mm-hmm. why is the home road number so off? And this is before people were really starting to talk about it. Right. And the answer that he gave was small sample size. Well, everything <laughs> in the NFL is a small sample size. Uh, yeah, it, it's like, it, but here's the thing too: it's year to year. Like all of it is year to year, and it was baffling because. I mean, you 30 could, points on the road allowed, you could 10 put, points at home. Completely shut down the 49ers, completely shut down. Team, teams couldn't even get anything off. And it's just like it was – I didn't understand it myself. I just didn't. It's weird. All right, over to baseball. You got a nice little Guardians get up today, yeah, by the way. Yeah, shout out to the Guardians. Steven Vogt, new manager, asked about not caring about the spring results. Did you buy it, though, as a player when they told you, I don't worry about the results? No chance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. There's no such thing as a good out, and there's no limit in hits. I want them all. <laughs> I want them all. I don't care if it's cheap or, or if I line out, I'm mad. I don't care. There's no such thing as a spring training at that. Okay. That that was more Dan Campbell meatball than I've ever heard from Stephen Vogt right there. Yeah, that was this close to biting kneecaps. That was, I don't know. Yeah. I, I bet a lot of people listening right now love that answer. I personally, spring training is when you you work out the kinks. Spring training is when you figure these things out. Zach Granke last year in a spring training game, G, he threw back to first because he wanted to work on throwing back to first with the with the pitch clock and everything. Mm-hmm. He threw back to first. It was the equivalent of two outs. But it was like 11 batters because he just – it's all he cared about was just throwing it back to first. I think he allowed something something like six or seven runs in that stretch. He just didn't care. He didn't care about what happened. He just wanted to practice throwing to first. That's what spring training baseball is. It, it, and it's where you find out if Miles Straw should be playing or not. It's where you find out if he's going to uh, work out. We know that answer already. We're not going to find anything new that happens with Miles Straw. Hey, are you working on your power? Is Will Brennan working on his or He's working on power? Are we going to find like, all these guys that we keep hearing about? Like, that's the annoying thing about the Guardians. Is like we hear about these names like Valera and Rocchio and Art. Mm-hmm. We hear all these guys' names. And then when it comes time to for them to show up and do something, we don't not only not don't see them in spring training. We don't see them in the regular season. This is where you find out. Like, hey, let me let me figure out if I need to sacrifice some at, at bats for this guy. We already know what he is for some young guys. I don't know why he said that. Um, maybe he's just trying to give off that you know give a little bit of confidence and saying, hey, I'm not going to be looking and, and making a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to the results in, in spring training. But I, I still I'm I'm with you. You you got to be able to 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 you know, find certain things out. All right, last up, the college football playoff approved the move to a 5-7 to seven format for the 12-team field starting next season. The five highest-ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the college football playoff selection committee. That means Notre Dame is not going to be – Notre Dame doesn't have a chance to win one of the one-through-four spots. 
because they're not in the the divisions, the conferences that are going to be given those. A weird move for Notre Dame to not not wind up with anyone, although we understand the money attached to it all, but uh, I, I, this might be enough incentive for him. They, listen, Never getting a one through four kind of matters. They better get their mind together. This is not 1945, bro. Like, you get no benefit from being like, we're independent. Nah, man. Um, it's just like <laughs> it's just like you being in your mid-30s and early 40s, and then everybody's like, yeah, I'm single, I'm single, I'm single, I'm single, and then you get to be 50, and you're like, my body's failing me. I would really like to be around someone to take vacations with. I think I need to have some At 50, it goes that way. I think it was, it was exactly 40 on the dot for Lima. I'm not sure. Yeah, he was yeah. like, yeah, he turned it all around. He said, I, I can't be out here at these clubs. <laughs> Although, I don't, know, I don't know that they go on a, a bunch of vacations together. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, well they, they can't right now. She's been pregnant. She's so. been pregnant. Yeah, he's right in that, that baby-making era where he, it's just, Ax Lima, what's his favorite song right now? Completely clueless to music. He, like the frivolous No, he's things. not. He knows all of the Miss Rachel. We talk about Miss Rachel all the time. Who the hell? Is that a kid's movie? Is that, that a kid's one? A, oh, don't worry. You'll be there soon, Jonathan. I, I played Bluey for my daughter for the first time yesterday. Because my daughter's not watched television. She's, she just turned a year over the okay. last weekend. We have not done any television with her at all, except for EuroLeague basketball. She oh. loves EuroLeague basketball. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Because Daddy gambles on EuroLeague basketball, and so she likes EuroLeague basketball. Of all the sports I gamble on, she likes EuroLeague the best because they have a they have a multicolored ball, and every other possession is a three-pointer. So the, this multicolored ball is constantly going up in the air, and she'll sit there and watch it all day. Oh, uh, is this Has a she conscious found the effort? next seven-footer in France yet? <laughs> she watched a lot of guys that we watched in college play, I'll tell you that much. Or rather, I watched in college play that are just kind of kind of cashing a paycheck now. Is this is was this a conscious effort to uh, quarantine her from the television, or how did that conversation work? Like, is this a yeah, thing? yeah, kinda? <laughs> they're not supposed to have much screen time until they're like eighteen months. First time parents be killing me. Now, when you get to your third one, that kid gonna be sitting in front of a computer uh, monitor. Listen, I I <laughs> wanted to do that from like three months old. Like, like, hey, great, we got something to keep her distracted for five or ten minutes. Heck yeah! But my wife is smarter than me, and she said, no, we're not doing that right now. And so, but yesterday, so we went over to a friend's house last weekend, <laughs> right? Two weekends ago, and they were talking about how their 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 kids very close in our age, right? And these are very they're smart people. They're they're put together, right? And they were talking about how their kid watches Bluey. And I'm like, they get to do it. Right. And so finally she was like, all right, we can maybe do a little bit. Baby and so we, we put on Bluey last night. Baby Shark? Mama Shark? Boy? Hey, Baby Shark's catchy. Hey, what you mean? Baby Shark is catchy. I, listen, that saved my brother. Shout out to my brother and my, my beautiful niece, Zara. She Shout watches out. all the. Shout out. Yeah, she has her own iPhone. Good for her. All right, leave that there. We come on back. Uh, what did Peter King say about the Browns' offseason questions, and do they line up with what we think? We'll talk about Mike Evans as well, and we'll get to uh, a bunch within Scott Reynolds at the Pewter Report 820. Chris Fedor with some Cavs in the 9 o'clock hour as well. It's Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush with you guys right here on The Fan. Ohio State has created plenty of headlines this offseason as spring practice nears. Nick Wilson, Spencer German cover it all. The big college football news and the new Sons of the Shoe episode at 923thefan.com on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush with you guys. Before we get to what Peter King had to say yesterday about the offseason changes for the Browns, gee, you wanted me to – you had a question. I didn't want to answer it in between the breaks, mainly because I didn't know what direction you were really going with it. But I think you wanted me to account for all Taylor Swift fans. I, I I don't know why people were so upset about like Taylor Swift. Like black people didn't pay no attention to it. 
They could have showed her a hundred times. It's like it's Taylor Swift. Like, okay, I wanted to be your Taylor Swift Sherpa. I, I'm here to answer any and all questions. So, so why were middle-aged men so upset? Oh no, that that's not a question. I can't. <laughs> I, 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 that's not a question I can ask. <laughs> See, like, <laughs> they they showed crab cakes just as much as Taylor Swift in the AF, in the uh, AFC title game, and people lost their minds. I, I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I didn't understand it, and I was trying so hard. I thought you wanted me to like break down her songs. You know, maybe figure out why she's such a pop icon the way that she is. Is she is she this version? Is she our version of the Beatles? I don't know. Some would say yes. I, I you know, I was a marketing guy. I do sometimes wonder why um, certain people hit. Like, what's the difference between her and Hillary Duff? Great question. Hillary Duff. Uh, there was a time where she, Lizzie McGuire, she captured everyone's attention. Every, everybody, like she it, had the world by the, you know what. You know, Hannah Montana. Was I think huge. I think skill and talent might be one thing that maybe got in the way of Hillary Duff, though. Like, like I mean, yeah. From a, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember her ever singing and being very impressive that way. I, I could act, could act for sure. I think the thing is with Taylor Swift, she's just. Uh, I think she's genuinely a nice person. Okay. And I think um, if people can identify with you, if you're a nice person, um, that's half the battle. Throw a little talent. Be Hollywood elitist, but not be scummy about it. Yes, be and be and be down to earth. Like literally, not shove your fans out of the way. Like, yeah, she does. She does seem like the type that if you caught her on the street and was like, "Hey Taylor, I'm a massive fan. Can I have a photo?" She'd be like, "Sure, let's do this thing." Yeah, she comes off and she takes every autograph, every yeah, photo. Yeah, I and, like that. And reads her fan mail. All I do. The time. I do like that. Yeah, like actually does read the fan mail. Not have yeah. like the assistant do it. And then if, I mean, she can't read it all. Obviously, she gets a ton. Right. But like, there's some she checks out. Yeah, like I yeah. think that's that's part of her appeal, and she has really catchy songs. Yeah. Do you read all your fan mail? Uh, you know what? You have somebody do it for you uh, on the internet. I used to. I've been. In, I was notorious for this. I, if you wrote a comment, I was writing a comment back on everything. Well, that's Internet 101, right? Don't they kind of teach you that? This is why I suck at the internet, but I, I know some of the rules you have to play by, and I just don't play by them. Yeah, it's kind of like you 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 kind of have to go out of your way to do it, but then after a while, it gets. You know, if you got five, six hundred comments, obviously you can't, especially if you say something that people agree with or don't agree with. So. Sure, sure. No, I got you. All right. Uh, Peter King on yesterday. We played some of the clips in about last night about Brazil and the Browns potentially playing in Brazil. I thought this was fascinating as we try to figure out where the Browns are with wide receivers. This is Peter King yesterday. I mean, obviously there are questions. Every team has questions. You know, the running back, I think, you know, that's a question. You know, clearly they probably need one more receiver this year, you know, in the draft. And look, everybody has needs at this time of year. But I think they have settled into a good groove. But you need your quarterback to have that impact on your team, to have that effect on your team. And again, I don't mean to be negative about Deshaun Watson. All I mean to say is I have no idea if he's still that guy or if he's going to be that guy ever again. Something I didn't catch until just right now was him mentioning the running backs, which I think is fascinating. We'll we'll talk about the wide receivers and get into that, but I do think it's it's interesting that – you know, yesterday you had uh, the Athletic with Zach Jackson came out and he had his column talking about running back situations with the Browns. And I think a lot of people are, they're kind of, we're tiptoeing around the Nick Chubb conversation in an interesting way. And for Peter to talk about how that is something and there is something there, I know what Andrew Barry said. It's whether or not people believe Andrew Barry's words when he talks about Nick Chubb going nowhere. I have a problem. I have the problem with the concept of people even talking about Nick Chubb. Like, at certain points in, in, in your culture, 
you have certain people that are off limits. Right? Taylor Swift might be off limits to certain people. You come right? at Taylor Swift, you you better have some ammo there. And, and in Cleveland, it's Nick Chubb because we hear all the time we want guys that turn around and hand the ball to the referee. We want guys that are humble. We want guys that do great work in the community. We want guys that aren't divas. We want guys that work hard and do all these things and represent the organization well and be productive and all this other crap that you really don't care about. And then when it comes time to paying the man, you want to be like, oh, well, we got to take your money away. Why are we taking your money away if, if, if you are giving money to people that don't deserve it? Like, Nobody said that about Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin, had, not only did Jack Conklin not take a pay cut, Jack Conklin has been hurt for three. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Years. He's probably not going to start next year, and they gave him an extension. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, but it's not true though, because just last week we had Mary Kay Cabot on, and she was talking about how, uh, and she's not saying they're going to do this in the slightest bit. I think we were all just having a convo. She's like, maybe Jack Conklin gets traded, maybe he gets sent back to Tennessee, maybe something maybe. like that does happen. Like some people, I think this is this is the ever evolving conversation you have around a football team, and that's why somewhere like, oh, talk about the wide receivers. Well, talking about the running back is talking about the wide receivers because we're going to put so much money towards the offense. And I think they're going to put a lot of money towards the offense this year they because should. we know we we know this team. We know how they operate, right? In the Andrew Barry era, if they slack on one side, then they offload and put it towards the other side the next year, and it kind of is like this seesaw balancing act that they've continued to do. Oh, short on offense? Okay, great. Load up the offense. Now we're short on defense? What they do all last offseason? They just spent on the defense a ton, and it's kind of it just keeps going in this, this ebb and flow type way. And so I, I, I think you look at some of these pieces, and you look at Jack Conklin, and you look at Nick Chubb, and you think to yourself, well, if Jack Conklin and Nick Chubb together equal one Mike Evans, are the Browns better off? And I think these are the type of questions they're asking themselves. I think Nick Chubb, um, it's important. We always talk about your culture. I think it's important that you have certain pillars. I, I, I believe that it counted for something that Ed Reed played only for the Baltimore Ravens and Ray Lewis only played for the Ravens and Jonathan Ogden only played for the Ravens. Mm. I, that, that counts for something. So now when you get free agents or when you bring people in and you want to establish this with rookies, 
you're establishing that, listen, if you mean so much to our organization, we'll take care of you. If you can't take care of Nick Chubb, who are you going to take care of? And here's the thing. People use the Deshaun Watson thing. Hey, we're giving him $230 million, and some people don't like the fact that it's a perception that he did something that was reckless and bad, and he was rewarded with the richest contract. So if you're on that train, you're supposed to be on the train of, look, maybe Nick will take a little bit less, but at, at the end of the day, you got to also be okay with giving him that, that dollar amount that he's owed because he did it the right way, and he continues to do it the right way. I know it's business. You can't do this for everybody, but there are some people that you should take care of. All right, let me ask you that. 216-474-0092, would getting rid of Nick Chubb be a referendum on the Browns? I think it's interesting as we try to balance out basically what the Browns can and cannot do, and you heard Peter King. Peter King, he doesn't look at it the way we look at it. That, that man, is out, he's out of town. He doesn't have to think about things the way that we have to think about things. He doesn't think about our legacy the way we think about the Browns' legacy. He thinks about things like, oh, on paper, it doesn't make sense to pay someone like Nick Chubb $14, $15 million coming off the surgeries, coming off the question marks are attached to it and everything. I guess I'd ask you this, G. What, what matters more for the success of Deshaun Watson? If it all revolves around Deshaun Watson, what matters more? Is it getting someone like a Mike Evans or another wide receiver or – is it having someone like Nick Chubb, even if Nick Chubb is at a, let's say, 80 85%? What matters more for this next year, while also understanding that if you get rid of Nick Chubb, you are hurting the potential future of what you look like, just from league-wide and perception-wise, for how you take care of your guys. Well, listen, you know, um, we happen to have a military man in the building, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I'm going to introduce to you guys Operation Stockpile. All right. We're going to do Operation Stockpile when we come on back. And I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-0092. Will getting rid of Nick Chubb be a referendum on the Browns? More from Peter King as well. It's Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush with you guys in for Ken and Anthony right here on The Fan. Jonathan and G. Bush in for Ken and Anthony. Ken sick today. Hopefully back tomorrow. Lima on paternity leave. All right. We're talking about Peter King's comments with Afternoon Drive yesterday. And it's, it's fascinating because I, I think his offseason questions kind of boil into – a bigger picture question as far as the offense is concerned and really how they how they piece this whole thing together. And we, we talked about Nick Chubb where Peter King just kind of he kind of threw it in there. The idea of like, ah, you might have a running back conversation. Yeah, maybe we do have a running back conversation. I know what Andrew Berry said. We were all there. We heard the press conferences. We all, we all paid attention. He was very adamant that Nick Chubb is going nowhere. But with each passing day, and you kind of look around and you're like, maybe Deshaun does need more help from a wide receiver perspective. And if uh, someone like Mike Evans is on the market – Maybe it ends up financially costing us a Jack Conklin and a Nick Chubb, but Mike Evans might be the difference between uh, the Browns being a contender and not being a contender. Operation Stockpile before Let's we get teased to it. it. Yeah, so you said Operation Stockpile is what you're calling this one. Yes. Um, so, first of all, let's start off with – In honor of having military in the room. Yes. The, you know, every great uh, military general has some sort of offensive where – they they have a great plan. Whether I, I would, oh, and I'm gonna need to confirm everything well, it's he says been, here. It's been called in <laughs> Cleveland. I believe Sashi Brown called it a war chest. Oh, the war chest. That's right. The war chest. And then and then you in the hood, you just start throwing extra syllables. It's called war chest. <laughs> I put that on my stakes sometimes. <laughs> Better than people think. Nah, you, he Peter King hit on something, and the premise of it comes from this. There has been, I believe a bill of goods sold to the community and fan base that all you need is a franchise quarterback, and that's it. And once you get a franchise quarterback, 
everything magically changes. You can, uh, you know, you can have a, a pumpkin that turns into a stagecoach. Are we calling this the Patrick Mahomes effect, maybe? Yes, indeed. You know where we're going with it. Uh, Operation Stockpile turns into the Patrick Mahomes effect? Yes. The, the Patrick Mahomes effect actually is something that makes you also believe, like, hey, all we got to do is have one of them. First and foremost, there is no other Patrick Mahomes. That's it. A unicorn. One jo of one. Josh Allen? No. Pat Burrow? No. Herbert? No. Like, you keep trying to sneak them in there. The, the, the gap between those quarterbacks is the gap, the wealth gap in, in minority communities. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's the difference between having everything and having nothing. You don't have a quarterback like Mahomes. So what you have to do is you have to overdo it. You not only have to have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you got to have receivers, not just one, two. You can't get rid of Nick Chubb because you still need him too because you don't know what Deshaun Watson will be or won't be. I can't trust that. That's the same reason Operation Stockpile involves bringing back Joe Flacco. Okay, so I think I got Operation Stockpile figured out. So it's just stockpiling assets. Is that what we're doing here? Are we just, are we just getting as many things as we possibly can on the offensive side of the ball? And I'm not against Operation Stockpile. Yes. I'm just trying to make sense of Operation Stockpile. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. It, it okay. is. Now, at the cost of the defense, or what is this at the cost of? Because remember the seesaw. You got to give up one. You got to get one, right? You got to. This, this all balances out. There's a checks and balances here. Even though a lot of Browns fans have not recognized, one of the advantages we have over other teams is we have an owner that actually wants to win and is willing to spend the money to do so. Browns spent more money in the salary cap last year than any other team in the NFL. So you may, um, you know, you talk to Zach Jackson or, or Jason Lloyd, and they they are. Uh, there are like stockbrokers that, you know, they foretell the doomsday scenario in which you've kicked the can down the road so much that you get in a position where the cap hits for, say, a Mike Evans or a Baker Mayfield. It doesn't matter if they sign those guys. They still have hits of 14 or $15 million onto your cap because you're paying them. Now, you're, you're, you're restructuring their contracts. Now, I'm going to tell you Operation Stockpile up front. It's going to be hell to pay in about three years. But the bill's I, coming at some point. Yes, three, that bill is coming. You can kick the can down the road as often as you want, but the bill is coming at some point. But I'm telling you, you got two years. I okay. feel you got this year. Two-year window, and if Deshaun Watson works because you put everything towards the offensive side of the ball, those are the good problems, Marlo Stanfield. They're very good problems. Like, then we'll worry about that when we get there. And if you don't, guess what? Who cares? Because you, you've already paid them the, – Roughly See, the hard years. part about that, though, is that I, I feel like the Browns would be – you'd be building up the the goodwill, and you'd be you'd be trending towards something good, and then right when you're trending towards something good, you get the rug pulled out from underneath you. I almost feel like you'd have a scenario where – I always say you got to crawl to walk to run, right? And you got to build this up. So uh, this year you're in the postseason. Next year you get a playoff win. Two years from now you're playing in the AFC title game. Right when we're peaking. It'd be like the Ravens of this year mm -hmm. getting to the AFC title game. They won 13 games. Like there, This is the peak of Baltimore with the Lamar Jackson era as of right now. Mm -hmm. And then be like, all right, sorry, we can't afford all these other guys. Let, let me Sorry, OBJ, you're knocked out. Uh, all these other players yeah. that you, you brought in, Nelson Aguilar, those type of guys. Like, yeah, the, you, you, you can't sign one of your better At least they ends. drafted Zay Flowers. But, like, all the, all the moves they made defensively, great point. All the moves they made defensively, like, sorry, Roquan Smith, we can't afford to pay you anymore. The, and, and, and this is a consequence of the Browns not hitting 
on receivers. Yeah, you got to be able to draft in this league. Uh, <laughs> we, we talk about why the Chiefs are so good. Uh, we talk about Mahomes and the Mahomes effect, but really the reality is they drafted so well defensively. Up and down that defense, there's just so many good defensive players that were taken in the previous couple years. And as a gambler, I'll, I'll give you this scenario as as we do have a caller coming up. Hey, but I'll say this: it's, it's not just any caller. <laughs> Nicholas, is Wilson, this right? Is this accurate? Is this he was he's up and Adam? Nicholas Wilson is ready to go. I loved how Mitch spelled his name. That was funny to me. Nick, what's up, buddy? How you doing today? Gentlemen, it's good to be joined. It's good to join you, rather. That's not how this works. Anyways, it's great to be here. I'm feeling great. You guys are sounding great. But I, I, I need it on the record. The NFL salary cap is a lie. And you guys are playing into it by, well, if it costs you Nick Chubb and Jack Conklin, would you like Mike Evans? I am going bonkers in my car. I've got to go take care of my children. And I'm sitting here listening to Operation War Chest or whatever. And by the way, <laughs> keep stockpile. Stockpile. That going, Chief The Bush. heart of Operation Stockpile is the fact that the salary cap is a lie. But at some point, the bill does come due. Yeah, when? When the Saints have been having a bill due for 10 years, and every year they're like, oh, let's just write this uh, write this piece of paper down here, and we're going to wipe this all away. So I, I reject your premise, even though I respect you immensely and love your takes. I, you listen, I, listen. For, that was Peter Lynn. I, I never really whoa, said. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what do you mean that was me? I, I never. I you never, put two years on it. I, I, we played I, with your hypothetical. I, you threw Conklin in there. I, listen, well, I mean, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. In this show. I, mean, I am not giving up go. Nicholas Chubb. That, that happened this fast. Is, this is the Nick Wilson guarantee. If you give me an opening, I will turn you against each other. But let, <laughs> let's get back to the basics here. Uh, the only reason Nick Chubb will not be in Cleveland next year, if he's not, is because the Browns decide they don't want him in, in Cleveland. Fact. It will have nothing to do with how much money he wants. And I just uh, – you can do you can do this with anybody else. You want to do it with Jack Conklin? Uh, Jack Conklin, is he worth Mike Evans? You want to do anybody on the defense? Is he worth Mike Evans? I, Nicholas Jamal Chubb, if, if Nick wants to be here, he should be here next year no matter what. And that's my that. moment to pander. Loved it. Nick Loved Wilson it. on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you, ma'am. Bye, guys. Love you. I love you, too. Now, now, here's, the, here, here's, the, here's, here's the gambler's uh, fallacy. Yeah. Here's the, so, you, know, you know the gambler and me had that one figured out easily. Yeah, so, wait, now, no, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about it. He says, he says it's not – he says it's, it's basically – what you should be doing is just acquiring as many assets as you can because the, the bill never comes due is basically what he's telling you. I, I think he's saying, um, if if I can get into my... He said the salary cap, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm putting my own words into this, but he basically called it as real as Narnia. Uh, so, I, I and I don't believe that the national debt is a thing either. Okay, that's fine. I, I think, I think, and that's apples to apples. Like, people walk around, oh my gosh! But it's some... Okay, I get what he's saying. It's kind of like the... It's the salary cap version of Wes Need saying F those picks. But at some point, it really does come due. You can't... There, even if it's $250 million, at some point, I know you can restructure and do all these things, at some point it does come due. And you can't just say, look at what happened with the Saints, because look at what happened with the Saints. The Saints weren't competitive this last year. The Saints had a boatload of talent, and they still weren't competitive this year. Saints, they couldn't go out and acquire a quarterback the way that they wanted to. They had to, they had to settle for a mediocre off-brand QB because they couldn't afford the big dog QB. I mean, there, like, there are ramifications to this, and you do have to pay attention to it. And, and when it comes to the Browns, if you're going offense, that's fine, but it's going to come at the cost of a defense. And we can talk about whether that's fair or unfair and what they should be doing, but that's the reality of it. 
What what are we are we spot? What is the fan? I want to make sure I, I do this this analogy good. Yeah. Um, it's a radio. Station. I think I can. Like what? Who? What? Yes, what, sp- what sports book? Um, or do are all we of them? Oh no no no! I so we every, every one of them. Okay, say, so say random sports book in this analogy that yes. you use. There we go. Ran- I personally don't have a sports book sponsorship, so I'm not beholden to anybody. Okay. Just so we know. So random sports book, right. you got it on your app. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a newcomer to it, but I will say this, uh, shout out to my wife. Stop blocking my account. Are you, oh, you're way. playing now. Oh, playing. I, I'm over here looking at, uh, Cal what, State What are Fullerton. we talking about stock markets in between the breaks? We gotta, we gotta be talking about so, some picks tonight. So these, so the picks, right? So I'm a big fan of parlays, right? Well, that's a, that's sucker bets. You don't want to do parlays. See, see, so here's the thing. So if I'm, if I'm in the sucker bets, right? It's like playing slot machines. If I'm in the sucker bets. And I'm gonna pay five dollars, and I'm gonna put twenty. I'm I'm a twenty leg or better guy, right? That's I just the want worst 20. thing you could have told me. So, so okay, so you just so, don't like winning in sports so, betting, okay? So here, so I'm so how, but here's how they get you. Got it. Yeah. If you go put five dollars down, and you look at the odds, you're like, well, listen, if I put twenty five down, that little winning jump up from this little hundred to this is in the thousands. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put 25 down on this sucker bet because if I'm losing my money anyway, I might as well go all the way in. I might. As and well. I get what you're saying. You're telling the Browns to go all the way in. No, what I'm telling you is no. It, did I miss that? I, I, it's, it's worse than that. It's, it's I'm telling you that you only have two years. That's it. Like you don't have. Okay, so you don't buy into the premise that Nick is trying to sell you. Then, if you're saying you only have two years, what Nick is saying is that you have this. It's an imaginary bill that never actually comes. No, no. You can you can kick the can down the road until there's no more can left to be kicked. That's what Nick is trying to tell you. You're saying I got two years. You see where the cross is? Yes. You're it, acknowledging the fact that although it, it, it you got to do some funny math in order to get there, at some point you do actually have to pay that bill. Nick is saying the bill never comes. And and the, my distinction is... That's where the difference is. The distinction is I, I'm saying two years because I'm looking at other factors like age. Like, okay... You've 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 hung your hat on the fact you got Teller and Batonio. Age is an interesting part of the equation, right? Because Miles Garrett's getting older, Deshaun Watson's getting older. All Mark these guys. Cooper is old. They, they, remember, they built this team to thrive when Baker Mayfield is hitting the age that Baker Mayfield is right now. There you, there you go. That, that's that, that's how honestly the, the construction of this team was built for that. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Would getting rid of Nick Chubb be a referendum on the Browns? We'll continue on with this. Also, what did Peter King say about the stadium as well? We got uh, two-second trivia coming your way at 7.45, so get ready for that. We have all sorts of things in the 8 o'clock hour, and then our buddy Chris Fedor in the 9 o'clock hour as well. It's Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush with you guys in for Ken and Anthony right here on The Fan. Twitter Reaction is brought to you by Shopping Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Hots on Twitter says, I don't understand. If he's a franchise quarterback, why can't he make the wide receivers good like others have? Why is there always this excuse that he needs more wide receivers or more weapons? Bacon of War Gaming says, if the Browns cut Chubb instead of letting him go on his own terms, I will seriously be done with this team. And, and that's your sentiment, right? That's yes. Operation Stockpile. Just a, a, a acquire He's, and uh, get as many things as you possibly can to help out the offense. Uh, well, that that's, a once again, uh, that is a fallacy. Like, what, what, do, what, what do you, you don't get extra credit for saying our quarterback did it all by himself. This is not potty training. Right. Patrick Mahomes doesn't get two <laughs> rings this year instead of one. No, like because he carried everybody. Like you, you have to assess what you got. And if you believe that you do have a franchise quarterback, the question is, all right, you got a franchise quarterback. 
but look at this all-time great gauntlet. Let me just let you guys know. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to get to the Super Bowl, you got to play three out of the four. You're going to see Lamar Jackson. Well, let's just go through the one that the Chiefs so, just went through this year, right? Right. They well, went through uh, Tua, which they had a very fortunate setting that it was at Arrowhead and it was negative degrees and Tua just can't play in the cold. It is. Then they went to Josh Allen, and then they went to Lamar Jackson. That's insane to finish it off against a 49ers team. That is, that's the NFC. We won't worry about the NFC. But like the three road that they went through, the, the three playoff teams they went through, it, it, that's why the defense, it never made sense to me that they never got as much credit as they should have. It, that defense shut down in order Tua, Josh Allen, and then Lamar. And even, and even if you look at the Dolphins, they have two of the best receivers in the league. Yeah. And they don't win. And the Philadelphia Eagles have two of the best receivers in the league, and they don't win. And guess what? The San Francisco 49ers have McCaffrey. <laughs> they have Debo. They got Ayuk. They, they got George Kittle. And they still don't win. So for the guy who's saying, mm. why can't he just make other people better? If you're looking around the league, there's a lot of teams with more talent on offense and into the spectrum that still don't win. But you think somehow you've talked yourself in to, to Deshaun Watson riding in on a magic carpet and beating three out of the best four quarterbacks in the league. I think, but I think Mahomes has broke a lot of people in that respect. I, I think Mahomes has, has let a lot of people believe that these quarterbacks can do way more than they can. I, I, like these I these quarterbacks that. can just put the, the they can put the world on their their atlas. They can put the world on their shoulders and all of a sudden make everyone else better around him. And I just don't think it's true. I think Mahomes is one of one, and he has that ability. It, I, I don't even think we can talk about other guys. Josh Allen doesn't no. make Stephon Diggs great. No. Stephon Diggs was great in Minnesota before him. He puts a. In fact, he had a. Bad year by all accounts for himself this last year. And I'm, I, I was thinking earlier today, I'm like, what happens if Gabe Davis ends up in Kansas City? Like, is he all of a sudden going to have a breakout year? Probably. <laughs> right. He probably couldn't do it with Josh Allen, <laughs> but can do it with Patrick Mahomes. Because that's uh, there's just one of one there. I mean, And you- it's just different. I, I, think, I think the idea that Watson can take any wide receiver and make him great doesn't it's, exist. It's crazy. It doesn't and, exist. And we great. And we got to stop believing that it can be a thing. And before the season. Mark Cooper was always great. That, he was always good. He had and four be, different quarterbacks. He was always great. And before the season, it was G. Bush, Peterlin. We, we have DPJ. <laughs> D, just because you gave a man a nickname. Traded for a song to Detroit. And, and, and then a didn't, song. Did not sniff the field. We DPJ. Jay, we don't need DeAndre Hopkins. We have we have uh, Anthony Bell. Yeah, you remember those wars. I kept telling everyone. I, well, I, there was a couple things attached to DeAndre Hopkins. He ended up having a really nice year, all things considered. There was a couple things attached to DeAndre Hopkins. But the idea that you could enter last year with that receiving core and think that was good enough, it, it's just not true. Now, I, I do understand. I, I get, although some people think that the salary cap is a limitless supply <laughs> and you can just do whatever you want with it. I, I, the retort I would give back to them on that is, if that was so easy, why aren't why aren't the Chiefs just throwing money at Tyreek Hill when they had the opportunity to? Why aren't the Chiefs throwing money at a bunch of wide receivers? Is it because fit, they think they can get away with it? Yeah. Or is it because I, I there think, actually is a, a bill that comes due, and when you pay a quarterback 50-plus million dollars, you got to treat these things a little bit differently? It was wink, wink, not, not. Listen, we need you to do more. Like, we're not going to be able to pay him like that, but look. Oh, he's the guy, he's the guy at the company that got the big raise, the corner office, and treated very, very nicely, but it's like, hey, because we paid you three times your salary, we're going to have to go ahead and let some people go. We need you to pick up the slack. And the, That's exactly what happened. And the stock price rose 20%. Yeah, because that, that guy was worth it. It was worth it. The, the sad reality is he was he was doing the production of 10 people. 
And so, you know, for me, I, I look at it like, okay, yeah, like you, you theoretically might be able to get out of uh, a Deshaun Watson's deal in, what, two, three years, maybe, possibly. But here's the thing. By that time, all your best players are old anyway, so you got to restock and you got to draft better. But my thing is this, man. You, you lost to C.J. Stroud. Don't act like Trevor Lawrence didn't go to the playoffs. Don't act like Justin Herbert's not going to be good with Harbaugh. And Aaron Rodgers didn't play last year. And by the way, you got away with beating Burrow, right? So many good quarterbacks. So many good ones. And you just want to prove to yourself that Deshaun, the Deshaun Watson was worth it. So let's not give him anything and see if he could prove that he's a... Nah, that ain't the way it worked, bro. <laughs> You're going to get smoked. It's just it's it's the whole the whole thing is wild to me, and I do think there is I think there's a if you if you do for one side, then you got to think about the other side. I'm talking offensively versus defensively there, right? And, and you can't you, you can't just throw as much money as you want at the problem. Like the bill does come due, and if that if it wasn't the case, then we would have a bidding war right now for Mike Evans for, for how high? I mean, he's going to make twenty five million dollars, I would imagine, but how high is it going to go? I, I, well, we'll talk to Scott Reynolds of the Pewter Report later on, but if that was the case, if, you, if money really didn't matter, then they would just throw $50 million at Mike Evans and call it a day. But it's not reality. I, I do think that Haslam has shown that he's willing to negotiate, renegotiate these deals and pay people cash I think up I think Haslam is the best kept secret around this Browns team that nobody wants to acknowledge. We spent, like, I listen, I want to give Andrew Barry a bunch of credit. And I consistently do give Andrew Barry a bunch of credit. But, it, G. Bush, if I told you you could spend more money than anybody in the NFL, which is what the Browns did last year, while also doing it where you basically paid your quarterback a fraction of the cost of what you're supposed to because of these kicking-the-can-down-the-road conversations we're having and the restructuring and everything, you'd be like, well, yeah, you should be a playoff team. You should win a lot of games if that's the reality that you have and you live in. And because of Haslam, we do live in that reality. He's given you a blank check He's, he's ne he hasn't said no to anything because he wants to make this work so badly. And I know so many people don't like him for X amount of reasons. But as an owner in the NFL, when it comes to the financials, he has given you the longest leash of any owner we have in the NFL. And, 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 as, and as long as he keep opening that checkbook up, I don't got a problem with him being like, hey, this offense got to change. So all I ask out of you, open up the checkbook. Don't be stingy about it. And I know it's a capped league, so you can only go so far. But he pushed the limits of what you can do last year. And he continuously pushes the limits. Always and, does. And that is why I don't have a problem with these Ivy League guys, right? You're smarter. You're finance guys. You know numbers better than every, anybody else. Find the money. Please just find it. That's what I tell my wife when I really want find, shoes. Find the money. Like, if I work three or four I jobs. Saw, I saw the shoe collection right, you're building over yeah, there. Now. I am. She's she finally coming around. She got you the nice cases for the shoes, yeah, yeah, too. So I shout saw out that. to her. That was she, pretty cool. She was really cool. You hey, had it all find, stacked up and everything. Find the money. Find that bread. How do you always find the money? Yeah, you guys, you, you can always do it. Restructure That's some things. <laughs> You can't just restructure, just restructure that, your life. Restructure that, that, <laughs> restructure that phone bill. Ain't that life bill. <laughs> yeah, we we, we got to do some, something with that second line or something. Find that bread. <laughs> uh, Peter King, more on Afternoon Drive yesterday. So we hadn't talked about this yet. I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, he, he mentioned the, the dome in Cleveland, and I, I, it, it went a turn I didn't think it was going to go. I have no idea how deep Jimmy Haslam and D. Haslam's pockets are, but I would hope since that weather football games stay in Cleveland for the rest of our lives. Now, we had our buddy Nick Wilson on earlier. Uh, he called in in the, the first segment of the hour here. You can obviously rewind, go back and listen to that. <laughs> I, I listened to Nick respond to this after Peter had hung up. They came back from the, ne the next segment, and he went on this big, uh, long thing. And I think Nick nailed it. I think Nick's 100% right. I think, Peter, I think people like Peter King 
they don't have to live with the cold weather, so it doesn't bother them to be like, oh, hey, nostalgic, great, old, a classic football. I love when they play in the cold. It's like me watching on my TV set. I'm like, I don't care that it's negative 10 degrees and two is trying to throw a football. He's paid millions of dollars be able to throw the football when you take on the Chiefs in the postseason. It's easy for me. It's easy for other people like that, but we're the ones that actually have to go to the games. We're the ones that have to, to live in the elements. Like Peter King can write about it in his column of, of a, a football days gone spent and, 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 and how it used to be, but the reality is, is in 2024, we have air conditioning we have these. Uh, we have the amenities you can. It's not 1950. Let's figure this out. It's it's like one of your buddies. He was the first one to get married. He's like, ah, oh, stay out all night. Ah, right, what are you doing, man? Like, let's go. We're gonna we're gonna get it going. We're gonna get it going. And he's looking at you like, guys, it's easier said than done. You don't just get it going when you get married. You'll find out soon enough. Like there are limits. There are things that are unwritten where you just can't say, "I fell asleep at my buddy's house." What? What? <laughs> like, you got a lot of questions if you fell asleep like, at your buddy's like, house. That's unacceptable. You, yeah. you are you having sleepovers with your buddy now? You you're just so tired that you couldn't come home. That don't work. <laughs> couldn't answer your phone either. Like, like for real, it was dead. Oh, for real, you ain't, uh-huh. everybody yeah. got an iPhone charger now. <laughs> Stop playing with me. <laughs> so yeah, of course, like people run around trying to say, "Oh, we went to Cleveland." Browns to have it's been such a great home field advantage for us, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. we've 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 won so many playoff games. <laughs> we just we just because it's cold. Consummate winning team over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, stop. We need we need commerce. Now, if, if we had done the research on it, they'd actually figured out that the Browns, for whatever reason, historically were better in cold weather games, <laughs> and there was something to that. Then fine. We, we, we sign up for it. But we have no evidence to suggest that. We, and, and we, we probably won't have any evidence because Drafting obviously... a bunch of kids from LSU and then tell me how the weather's <laughs> an advantage. Okay, great. Patrick Mahomes is still in his 20s, <laughs> and we might never see home field advantage. We'd be an arrowhead every year. And now I do think there is something to the idea. And I don't know. Hell, maybe we'll play with this with Deshaun Watson. You know, we talked about Tua like seven times throughout the show already and the fact that in that, in that playoff game, Tua was cooked. Because Tua can't deal with the cold weather. At all. Now, Deshaun played in a dome in Houston. But we know, you know, Deshaun Watson played at Clemson. He's like, he's, yeah, that's a warm weather player right there. Grew up in Georgia. There's a lot of arguments for the idea that, uh, and again, Patrick Mahomes played at Texas Tech. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, 
a tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Patrick Mahomes is a Texas kid. He's done perfectly fine in the cold weather. You can find a lot of examples of people that have done it in the cold weather, but there's a lot more examples of guys like Jared Goff that goes to Soldier Field and tries to take on the Bears, and because it's 40 degrees, absolutely bleeps the bed. I, I I don't know. Do we have to consider Deshaun in, in the idea of whether or not we have a dome or not? Uh, Yeah. Like, you kind of do, but it's not like a this or that. Like, no I mean, the one... stadium wouldn't get built till 2028 20, or so. So you'd be playing with the idea that Deshaun got it turned around correctly and then also got an extension based off the play in the previous couple years. Maybe that's a bit much. And, and you, it's not like you can't just be like, yeah, two is coming to town. We want to open – we're going to open this roof up for this game. Oh, I would totally do that. Like, you still have that option, don't you? It's not oh, like – Oh, you do. It's, it's retractable. Well, okay, so that's the problem. It's, it's likely not retractable unless you want to spend about a billion dollars more. Why can't you? I know, I know, I know. I'm with you as well. A <laughs> lot of, it's weird to me. I, I, I'm i going based off of the conversation I heard Daryl have yesterday. Daryl says a retractable dome is not in the photo and not in the plans at all. If they, if they were to go dome route, he says retractable isn't. I look at us as having one of the wealthiest owners in the NFL and a guy that is a, he's a showman in a lot of ways. I feel like it wouldn't be completely out of the equation because of the investment attached to what Jimmy Haslam has already done and made into Cleveland, but I, who, who, it's not my money. Who, I don't know. Who buys a Mercedes-Benz with cloth seats? Yeah, I know. It just doesn't happen. Well, but I, it's, if, it's, if, if the difference is a billion dollars with a B, I mean, I... I look, I look at it. I, I get I, it. Retractable roof is nice. I, I don't... But I, I also look understand at it, the other side of it. That The Haslam's... Are, both of them are 69 years old. They'll be 70 coming up here in the year. Mark, I've always said this. When you are 69, 70 years old and the life expectancy in, in the United States and developing countries is 77, 78, like, I don't got no time to be wasting. Who cares? Like, at the end of the day, like, you can't take none of that with you. Like, you get it, you got to get it done now. And why would you worry about, oh, this cost me roughly 500 more million? You just threw uh, that mount on a Milwaukee box just because you were bored. <laughs> just because you could. Just because you could. So, like, why would that be? Why would that hamper you? Well, we got to find out. Is he like Jerry Jones, where he wants to create his own version of Jerry World? Uh, is his ego is his ego so large he's going to create Jimmy World and he's going to want to he's going to want to make it? everything he's ever dreamed of and then some, and this be the one time he goes big? Or will he go cheaper on it, just put the regular dome, and then just kind of go from there? Um, but I like that we're at least – we're me and you have not even entertained the idea that it would be anything but a dome, and I like that. Yeah, I, I, all the rest of the stuff, I can't do that. If you build it and you build something that isn't a dome – Listen, <laughs> I understand if they want to renovate Cleveland Brown Stadium – which if you were to make me choose what I think is going to actually happen, that would be the leader in the clubhouse for me. Not what I want to have happen, but what I think will have happen is they'll just renovate. They'll try to put lipstick on the pig that's already sitting there. Well, that's a I one. think that's what's going to happen. But if you actually build something new, you go to Brook Park and build something new. You might as well go all the way in. Might as well go in. Like, look, look, I told people, yeah. people like, I told you before coming in, I said, I'm going to do something in my backyard. And then there's all kind of grandeur thoughts from my mom and my wife about what it's going to look like. But they have a point. 
all that all that stuff like yeah this is a starter house and i was like uh no this is a starter lie i'm pretty nice i <laughs> i'm 40 <laughs> this, this is what it's gonna be. And, uh, I mean, There's no starter house in forty. Ain't no starter house in the middle of your forty. Stop playing. You better put a deck and a basement and a chandelier if I'm you want my it. Man cave up getting... <laughs> hey, hey well, I'm not going nowhere. I, what you talk about? Like, <laughs> you got plans? I don't got no plans. That's a lie. All right, leave that there. We come on back. Uh, it's time for two second trivia. We're gonna get to two second trivia. Sports Radio 92.3 The Fan. We're looking for a winner. The fourth caller, two one six three four three zero nine two three, is gonna get a chance to play two second trivia for a chance to win a four pack of Mister Hero combo meals. We'll do that when we come on back. It's Jonathan Peter and Garrett Bush with you guys right here on the Fan. You have two seconds and only two seconds to win. This is two second trivia. All right, back at it here on The Fan. It's John of the Biddle and Garrett Bush. We're getting you guys ready. You're not doing it right. Ken starts it with, it's time. And he does all the kids. (laughs) He does like a game show host? Yeah, you got to do all that stuff. It's time for two second trivia. And then this would be the part where if I had crowd noise, they would all cheer. But we don't have it. I kind of like that vibe. We're getting it. Yeah. Don't worry. G. Bush. It sounds like leisure suits and prices right. Yes. The combo. They match together. This was from the royalty-free library. <laughs> and I think it says in the theme of match or in the theme of uh, Price is Right. That royalty-free boy. All right. You guys know the rules to two-second trivia. You get two seconds. You got to answer two questions, right? Two questions. All right. 216474092 if you want to play. We're going for one winner. If we get one winner, then we're done. If we don't, we'll continue on. Jim and Perry going to lead us off here on two-second trivia. Jim, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Jim. Morning. All right, your first question. What is the name of the operation that Garrett has for the Browns this offseason? Oh, damn it, I don't know. Nah. Hurts. Mm. 216474092 if you want to play two-second trivia. John in Walton Hills. Hello, John. How's it going this morning? Gentlemen, good morning. What's up? John, how many games have the Cavs won since January 1st? Four, five. (laughs) (laughs) Not only is that wrong. That's incredibly wrong. That is laughably wrong. Ah. You're not getting Mr. Hero if you don't get these questions. 216474092 if you want to play two-second trivia. Do I need to go easier? I feel like the first two were pretty hard for me. Oh, well, the first one pretty was pretty hard questions, yeah. First one was pretty easy if you've just been paying attention to the show at all. That's what I liked about the first one. You could literally go, my name is Jonathan Peerlin. I'm filling in. Who am I filling in for? <laughs> Maybe they, they might get that one wrong. <laughs> they might. Uh, Patrick in Cleveland. Hello, Patrick. You ready to play two-second trivia? What's up, man? All right, let's get it. What is the name of the Guardians manager? Stephen Boat. What right, is Sam down. Merrill's nickname on this show? Uh, oh. It is not. Did he say Sam Merrill? He said Sam the man. <laughs> oh, Sam the it man. It is not Sam the man. I didn't know that. That's not a bad, that's not accurate. That's why you didn't know that. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a thing. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Uh No, and I'm not going to give the answer either because I might use it for somebody else. Will in Erie. On two second trivia. Hello, Will. How's it going today? How many Cy Young Awards did recently retired Corey Kluber win? Two. 
Okay. You got it right, right? Yeah. Okay. He's got that eerie, uh, <laughs> eerie connection right now. I want to make this one. Okay. Who leads the NBA in points per game with 35.3? I didn't hear him. Did he give a guess or no? He did not. It was late, and it was unhearable. It was not accurate. Shot clock went off, bro. Nobody wants this Mr. Hero. Okay. 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 And that is two-second trick. Pause. Can't ask you can't ask somebody you want that Mr. Hero. <laughs> hey, just say that. No. You just gotta Sad say by that. I just, you know, would you like a would you like a submarine sandwich? That's what you would you like a It's a Roman burger. Come on. <laughs> we we all know what it is. <laughs> you, you want that Roman. Now, how was that relative to other displays of two second trivia? I felt like that was I maybe I I thought the questions were great. Uh oh, I did too. I thought. Probably but you came up best. with them. That's oh, why. Okay. That's why. That's why I thought they were great. Were, were they too? Were they, were they, did I pick the hard we ones? Might have went too hard. I think I might have went too hard. I should have we given went easier too fast. questions. You got to do more theater too. It's yeah. okay. All right. You're learning. You're that's on the all. fly. That's all. You know, I always did think that a uh, being a game show host would have been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, back yeah, I, I do too. Like you know, I could do. Listen, I could do that Steve Harvey thing. You, you let me get that off, man. Wait, the one where you get too much going on on your plate and then you alienate the people that helped you? Woo! Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I, I, I thought see, he was... I thought we didn't come at Steve like that. See you later. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought he was part of the Untouchables, no? Hey, man, listen, man. Hey, you've been on them black people emails. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You on the chain emails. <laughs> well, Wait, are we... Are we deny that. Are we against Steve Harvey now? You, you know, some people would say... Steve, a little corporate. He be and he. Some would call him a simp a little bit too. Don't be simping. Okay, all right. Can't be doing that. Russell Steve. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, some different people yesterday suggesting that uh, Russell Wilson could end up with the Steelers. Before we get to the Russell Wilson side of this, do you think Justin Fields to Pittsburgh still in play? Based off of what you've seen in the previous, I don't know, 24, 48 hours, where now you have Justin Fields unfollowing the Bears. He is following a lot of Atlanta Falcons, oddly enough. He started following, like uh, I think it was like Kyle Pitts and a couple of the other players, Drake London, guys mm-hmm. like that. Do you feel like Justin Fields of the Steelers is off the table? A little bit. Okay. Um, I, I think, um, once again, he's another Georgia guy. Um, he... Uh, he, he, I think he would be better in a dome, and uh, I think the fan base would love his play style. Um, Pittsburgh is a little more play actionly, just run the ball, Minimoski offense. Like it just didn't seem right. Now Russell Wilson, that sounds like a Pittsburgh move. Does it sound right? So Chad Johnson was on the he was on a podcast with Shannon Sharp yesterday and he believes Russell Wilson's next NFL stop is going to be with the Steelers. Now I don't know that we're taking Chad Johnson at his word or anything like that. It just but it's all it's all what you would think. Right? I initially had thought Justin Fields was the answer for Pittsburgh. Watching what's happened over the previous 24 48 hours, kind of figuring out the vibe of everything too. You know, Tom would have spoke really really strongly in behalf of Justin Fields, but Justin Fields did also throw the entire coaching staff down in Chicago multiple times and did so during the regular season as well. Kind of did. I wondered if maybe he took a step back and said maybe I don't need that guy. Maybe I need someone like Russell Wilson who I know is going to at a minimum 
be a consummate professional, because I don't know that Justin Fields has displayed that 100%. Again, as evidenced by the multiple times that he threw the coaching staff down directly in front of their face. But from a, a scared sta- uh, standpoint, if you're if you're the Browns, which one are you rooting happens? Are you rooting it's Justin Fields or you're rooting it's Russell Wilson? I really don't. Look, man, I really don't really want to. I'm not scared of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson wasn't bad last year. For some reason, people think he was bad. He was not bad last year. He was a top 10 quarterback in a lot of the categories we care about. He beat our ass. He he got us. He got us. Well, that's the other side of that, though, is that he didn't really – he beat us, yes, in that they won that game. I think he threw for like 125 yards in that game. He himself – he had that one big scramble as well that mattered a ton. But he himself didn't light up the world in that game. But he got the win, and he did what Denver asked him to do. They turned him into a game manager of sorts, G. Mm-hmm. And he was able to do that. And he was able to do that at a pretty high level. And, you know, last year, like, when you look at, at the Steelers down the stretch, they found some things out. I was impressed with the way they went and got a, a win in, in Seattle when they needed one. Uh, it, it looks like uh, 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 Najee Harris was playing better. They had a kind of a – I like Warren a lot. Like the other – Jalen Warren, I yeah. like Warren a lot. And uh, they got pickings. So if you can get Russell Wilson to kind of play that role – where it's like, okay, let me be the elder statesman. Let me just make not make no mistakes. I think the Steelers are the Steelers. Like, they'll continue to be in the range of 10, 11 wins, and you got to deal with them. But if it was Justin Fields, I think that's much more combustible. I think that's slim. Yeah, I think that's like, – I can, I can imagine right now him and Pickens just yelling at each other on the sidelines. All right, hold that thought. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Which scares you the most? If it's Justin Fields or Russell Wilson of Pittsburgh, we're also going to do a Mike Evans conversation as well. Scott Reynolds, the Pewter Report in Tampa Bay, going to join us coming up at eight twenty. It's Jonathan Pewter and Garrett Bush with you guys right here on the Fan. All right, back in here on the Fan. We'll get back to Russell Wilson, the Steelers, in just a second. G. Bush, I'm going to. I'm taking my car in after work today. I, I found out I had a problem with it for the past couple weeks. I finally like actually went underneath and tried to figure out what was going on. The It's either the heat plate or the skid plate. I don't know which one it is. It's one of them. This is when you get some type of skills. And it's it's dangling. It's it's. I don't know that I have those type of skills. The internet's a great place. <laughs> right, okay. You know, like you have a problem and you're like, I think, what is this? I, it sounded been, really good when I said it, right? It was the heat plate. It was yeah, the skid plate. Yeah, it my, sounded good. But I, I think that's just all the internet has told me. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been putting it off. You got problems too? Yeah, man. Uh, man. I've been putting it off. I, I, you gotta go. You know what the scary part about the going to the the car dealership is? Racks. Racks? You mean like money? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. And it's not. It's just because you don't know how much it's going to cost. No, it's just. Why is everything a guessing game? It, 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 There's it, so it, many things out there. I get it, but why is everything a guessing game? And then, and then especially when they're like, "Yeah, we got to hook it up to the diagnostic machine." No, no, no. That machine, no. That's an expensive machine that right machine there. That machine just to put it on there. Like, just give me a guesstimate. Like, what is your expert opinion? Like, just by listening to it. Don't and, put it on the machine. Yeah, they put it on the machine, they might find some other problems. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the business of I don't really want to find other problems. Right. I want to pay for this problem. I don't really want to find any other problems. And then it's like, that's I why. I find other problems. I don't know that I want to pay for finding other problems today. I just want to find, I just want to. Get this one right. That is why it is a nightmare. Like people think it's cracked up. You, you, when you get younger, you're like, I'm about to get this car. You know, I'm about to get this this Benz. I'm about to get this Range Rover. <laughs> I'm about I'm this BMW, bro. Listen, just for you to even pull that thing in the lot is three hundred. Just, just on like when you call them and be like, Hey, this is Garrett Bush, three hundred, sir, three hundred. 
<laughs> we looked up what car you have. 300. Yeah, three hundred. Just to, yeah. you know, come just to talk about it. And it's like, man, like I don't remember ever having these problems with no Mitsubishi, bro. I never. I, I Honda, my Honda used to run like a champ. All I had to do was change the oil. This thing just so keep. When when you go to the car dealership though, you get something fixed. Do you do you ask them up front what the price is, or do you just kind of you just kind of wait and see? Well, I learned that it is a wait and see game. It is a wait and see game because right? I've I've took it in and then paid like twenty five hundred and then like it it ain't it ain't all the way together. That's like that's like when you do your taxes online and then all of a sudden you're like you, you can see on the top like the the amount you're getting back and then it flips to the amount you owe and then it, the amount you get back and it's like a it's like a very expensive. Roll the dice, basically. Peter well, Lynn, do you want to click another button or not? <laughs> yeah, well, that's... And then you click buttons, and you're like, wait, that did that? Hold, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. And then let you try back. to go back, and it won't let you back. do that. Oh, it logs you right out of Intuit Tax, TurboTax. Sorry, I, I'm... Not, have you guys been looking through my windows? Because I, like... <laughs> this is this is all... To, I have car repairs, and TurboTax was tripping. I said, oh, no. We can't give y'all that. <laughs> we need some deductions. Yeah. All right. Here was... Uh, this is Chad Johnson. He is on Shannon Sharp. They're on the podcast together. It's called the Nightcap Podcast, and they're talking about Russell Wilson. Here we go. That little birdie told me, and I said this many shows ago, that Russell Wilson coming on over there to the Steelers, Cleveland had Deshaun, but the AFC going to be hell. You the do AFC going to be hell. I think right now I saw on DraftKings the betting favorite is Justin Fields to end up in Pittsburgh. No, he's going to Atlanta. I, I, I always I got, said I, I thought this, he would I be back a big 2.0. All right, he got the script. Atlanta for Justin Fields. I think does make sense. But for a while there, we just kept talking about Justin Fields to Pittsburgh. And now we're talking about Russell Wilson to Pittsburgh. And I'm trying to figure out, I honestly, I, I hope they continue to battle it out thinking that the quarterbacks they have and Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph can oh. be the guys. Cause either one, I, I'm not the highest on Justin Fields. I'm not the highest really at this point on Russell Wilson, but either one of them are Upgrades. much better options than Upgrades. Kenny baby hands Pickett. Yeah. Look, I, I want to see uh, any of the dudes they got on the staff now. Like, these guys is like I, I I look forward to playing the Steelers, and you know we was talking in the break, and one of the guys I don't want to see, and I think is a problem, is you know I don't know if Minnesota's gonna get something done with Kirk Cousins. Doesn't seem like it. Don't seem like it, and I don't want no parts of that, I, I because you already know what kind of quarterback he is in the regular season. He's gonna get it done. He's gonna throw you about four thousand yards. He's gonna be efficient. He and he's a good leader. I learn I I. I, I, I really took that the quarterback uh, documentary on, I think it was on Netflix. Netflix, yeah. Where I, I thought he was uh, Ned Flanders. I, I, that I, was the takeaway I got from Kirk Cousins. He, was, he is the NFL's Ned Flanders. I, I took away, like, you know what? He came off really well. Now, like, he came off like. He did, but he also, you saw him. He built, he built a trophy for, uh, uh, like, a, in, his, in his house, he's got a display case for the Super Bowl. That is just empty, and he sits there and looks at it. Well, that's it's a little weird. I I also thought it was weird right after you took that. L. He's always a hard worker, though. He's a hard worker. He took the L. I don't have any children yet, but I, if I take an L, my my wife gonna have to take care of the kids for that day because I'm gonna have a bad day. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I was. I thought like if was, you lose a game, you're just gonna be like out of it, or what do you mean? I I can't read you a bedtime story after that. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like I should be like, yo, you gonna have to take over for this one, right? Hey, you gonna have to get the kids ready for bed. I can't do it. Like, I'm you have a bad radio show. You couldn't go home I, and be like, hey, let me let me tuck you in tonight. I mean, this is easy. That's lightweight. But I mean, okay. he's out there getting beat to beat to sleep. He has to come down from the high of being like, yo, I, I thought we was gonna win. My season's over. I put this much work into it. I mean, he was going to therapy and stuff. 
He's talking to people about his interceptions. Like, that's a deep, traumatic thing. And then he went right home <laughs> and was like, yeah, let me read you. Uh, All uh, right. Now how, much, how much of that, though, do you think was made for the Netflix cameras? He seemed... He def he definitely goes to a he he goes to a mega church somewhere like he goes to like he goes to a mega church and and they they got like can you explain to me what that means like so he, when you go to a mega church like it's like a second part time job okay like it's like we, they got teen classes they got I'm glad you asked for the explanation because this is much deeper than I thought it was going to be they got, okay they got singles classes where yeah. it's good fun Christian. You know, good fun stuff where the, the guys are on that side of the room and the girls and you drink punch. <laughs> like they have, like they have all this like isn't like a 1980s movie. What is this? They got they got Saturday's worship service. There's Wednesday night praise and worship. Yeah, and there's like they may knock on your door. It's too. because I called him Ned Flanders. Is right. that is that why you're doing this? Oh no, because like, I called him Ned Flanders. Like his his wife picks out all his clothes too. Like the, well, they yeah. that's the one thing I took that away was, from that the documentary was. Assumption. was that they the kids are geared up in whatever free stuff he got from the team. Right. He's, they still got the Washington stuff. They're wearing that. Which I, it makes sense to me. I don't know why they always – I don't know why people get rid of those clothes so easily. Like, like, have you ever seen the uh, – who was this recently? Was it DeBoer who, you know, who left the job to go get the job at Alabama and then they showed up at, at the Goodwill – Near campus yeah. over there, and it was just a, it was filled with all his clothes because the coach had the coaches they put like the stitching in there and they put his last name in there, and it's like it's just all his clothes were at Goodwill. It's like why don't you just continue to wear those things? Maybe just not in public. It, it, uh, or at least I, give them to your kids. Your kids kinda, can wear them. That's kind of creepy. That's about two. That's two jobs ago. That's like if I had my kids running around with with, with <laughs> the corporate job I had. They give you know you know when you go to the training. Hey, Apollo's Apollo. They'd be like, man. I got radio stations from 10 years ago. I'll wear their polo. I don't care. Oh, my. You, and they're, they're a funny group of people. And, like, he like they, he gets in his car. Like, <laughs> right, So, wait. So, do you, do you feel like because he is he is this way, it might be a calming presence for the Steelers? Is that why oh, you're scared of it? Yeah. Like, so you said you said you thought Justin Fields was too combustible. Yes. You think Justin Fields around Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin's got a history of, although he's widely regarded as one of the best head coaches in the game, look at the people that have been on R Pittsburgh's offenses. Yes. Okay, let's just put it out that way. Yes. And, Antonio and, Brown, guys like that. Big Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot oh, of big personalities. Uh, they've, had their, they've had their issues off the field. And, and he's a dude that is going to work hard. He's going to show everybody this is how you do it. He ain't doing the flashy stuff, and he does a good job of, I think, catering to younger players but not really doing it. Like Justin Jefferson. Like, he's Stephon Diggs, right? He's like, hey, hey, I'm going to get you the ball, you know? I, I think you're a good guy, man, you know? Um, just don't worry about it. Like, you just play this thing even kill. I don't like that. I do not like that because that that then all of a sudden they back to the Pittsburgh Steelers being Pittsburgh. Well, it's not. It's not like Kirk Cousins didn't have issues. Remember, oh, he we got talked issues. about. He got well, Stephon Diggs, though. Stephon Diggs in Minnesota cried so much and argued so much that he got his way traded to to Buffalo. He was at like the peak of his career, and he was mm -hmm. such a nuisance and such a problem that he got traded off to Buffalo. Yeah, like, I mean, he, Kirk, he was a headache. Kirk Cousins ha has his warts, but he, I agree with you though. He did a good job with Justin Jefferson. If you so look, if you if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're already it's a it's a cumulative factor. That means ain't no breaks. Seven days a week, you got you got cousins, you got Lamar Jackson, 
that borough. So are you looking at it that way, though, in the AFC North? If yes. it's still If it's Fields or if it's Russell Wilson, are you looking at it? Because I think you'll look at it the same way regardless, would yes. you not? I, I still am. I'm, I'm thinking – like, it, but it's degrees of separation. There's degrees of of uncomfortableness for me. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you just went and got Russell, or you got Fields. I'm like, well, that's kind of uncomfortable because he can make. Is Deshaun last in this equation? Every way we cut it, I think for a lot of people it would be. For me, I I think Deshaun Watson's better than Justin Fields. Oh yeah, he is. I also think he's better than Russell Wilson, even though Russell Wilson had a pretty good year last year. Oh yes. But I can't put him above Kirk Cousins. There you go. That's okay. my problem. And, and you you look at six games. And if I, along with Operation Stockpile, I think it's imperative yeah. that you have a home playoff game. I don't think with this, it's too hard to win on the road in the playoffs. It just is. Look how the team played last year. I mm-hmm. mean, there were two different, completely different teams. So for me, you got to have at least one playoff game at home, at least a wild card game to get you over the hump. And, and I just look at it. I don't have, if it was Kirk Cousins and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we got to go into Pittsburgh the last game of the season, to win that game, that's a that's a 50-50 proposition. I'm thinking of Kirk Cousins with George Pickens, and that yeah, kind of scares yeah. me. Yeah. And also, I think Deontay Johnson might be the type of guy that if we talked about Kirk Cousins, even though he had his problems with Stephon Diggs and getting that in line. We talk about, like, maybe he gets Deontay Johnson in line. Right. He stopped dropping the ball. Uh, they do know, have a good run game, as we talked about. We talked about Warren game. and Harris, but we love Warren. Not as much Harris, but, you know, two still. Good, two good pass rushers. Like and then yeah. and then you could just let Mike Tomlin be the bad guy, just let him wear that little dog tag in the aviators and let him walk <laughs> up down the sideline, and then you just good. Like that's just I don't like that. I don't like it. No. Yeah. The Let's, more the more and more we talk about it, stay over there. <laughs> go go to the. The more and more we kind of have to hope it ends up becoming a Justin Fields or right. a Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson in an odd way will feel like a blessing after having this conversation. Yes. Like because Russ, I don't think has the skill set to still consistently get it done. I do think he does bring some leadership, um, but he's a polarizing figure if you ask people about it. I don't know why. He just Well, you know, because of the the subway commercials, yeah. Sierra, he's a, he had to have his own uh parking space yeah. mixed with his own, his own office. And yeah. then the the Broncos country let's ride, all that nonsense. Yeah. Like I, I get why. Yeah, I see that. I get he's kind of a we talked about weird people. Yeah. He's a weird person. But I don't want I don't want none of Kirk Cousins flannels. And uh, <laughs> I don't want none of his regular button-ups nowhere near the AFC I thought you said you liked him. You liked him, though. In the I quarterback series, you liked him. I liked him. Now, Marcus Mariota came off crazy. Well, they barely, they hid Marcus Mariota. Yeah, they. they I, I think they were going for the, the good, the elite, and the struggle. How right? much do you think he regrets having a, a private chef like 20 years from now? He's going to be like, I, I spent all that money on a private chef? I didn't make that much money in the NFL. <laughs> I spent all that money on a private chef? All right. Scott Reynolds, the Pewter Report in Tampa Bay. He's going to join us coming up next. Uh, the latest on Mike Evans. Is it reasonable to suggest the Browns could get someone like Mike Evans, or is it going to be too expensive? Is it going to be something that maybe – does he have the same skill that he had last year They can bring it back this year as well? It's Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush. We'll be joined by Scott Reynolds when we come on back. In for Ken and Anthony with you guys right here on The Fan. All right, back in here on The Fan. It's Jonathan Pito and G. Bush with you guys. Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Scott Reynolds of the Pewter Report joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Going to get the latest on Mike Evans and what's going on in Tampa Bay. Scott, thanks for giving us a few minutes. How you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. So, obviously, I'm sure you're very busy right now with all the Mike Evans chatter. Uh, can you just, first off, let's catch up people with where – the Bucks and Mike Evans currently are, and then we can go from there if that's all right. 
Well, he's he's a player that is an absolute icon in Tampa. And it's important to note he was also general manager Jason Light's first ever pick back in 2014 when Light assumed the role of general manager. And so they've got a great relationship. And I think what's going to happen is Mike Evans is going to test free agency, find his number, bring that back to the Buccaneers, and then the Buccaneers will have to, to see if that aligns with where he's slated in their budget and whether they want to push that um, over the red line maybe if Evans gets a little bit more than they anticipated. Or uh, the Buccaneers have had some, some luck over the last couple of years. They let Carlton Davis, their top cornerback, test free agency two years ago and found the market to be a little softer than he expected, so he re-signed with Tampa Bay for what the Bucks thought was a bit of a bargain. Same thing happened last year with Jamel Dean, their other cornerback, and Levante David. There was not a robust market for either player. The Buccaneers, in essence, um, helped uh, their cause by letting these players test free agency, and the market was softer than they anticipated. And so uh, I think that's what's going to happen with Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield. They're going to let them go get their number in free agency, bring it back to Tampa, and see what happens. Uh, you know, Scott, when you look at it, um, Mike is, you know, you know, 30 right now, Bill, 31 uh, in August. Um, you know, it, when you look at his production, I mean, he, he- – Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. He's had a, almost a thousand yards. I think in every year he's been in the league, 10, year, 10 plus years. Um, is he a uh, is is he a regular thirty one year old receiver who, who who looks like they may lose something um, as far as their skill set, or do you think this guy has another three four years if, if another team, say the Browns or somebody else, went after <laughs> him and gave him that big that big bag? That's the big question, right? That really is. He's not 26 or 28 or even 29. He's He'll be 31 before he suits up for the 2024 season. And uh, nobody in Cleveland or Tampa or elsewhere has the crystal ball. At some point in time, the the 10-year streak of Mike Evans hitting 1,000 yards in every season, which is an NFL record. No one has started their career with 1,000 yards over 10 years, and that's that's only Mike Evans' uh, title right now. Uh, at some point in time, that's not going to happen, whether it's due to injury or ineffectiveness or losing a step, whatever. I don't know if it's going to happen next year or if it's going to happen if he signs a three-year deal uh, after his, his contract expires and he's on to the next contract. I just don't know. Uh, but all indications are from the season he had last year, he has not lost a step. Uh, it's important to note, though, that the money he's chasing, which is kind of Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins money, et cetera, that the 26, 27, 28 million dollars per year, um, he's in some uncharted territory because he's 30. He will be 31 in August, as you said. And, and all of those contracts, whether it's Devontae Adams or whoever, all of those contracts that, that are above him in terms of what uh, he wants to make. Well, those were players that were signed before they they hit the age of 30. So he's in some uncharted territory. And I just have to wonder, with this being a a fairly decent wide receiver crop in free agency and 
an extremely rich draft when it comes to wide receivers. If some teams are just going to give some pause and say, yeah, gosh, we love Mike Evans, but man, we'd love him better if he was 28 or 29 um, and not 31 this year. And then by the end of, of his contract, he'll be 33 or 34, depending on the length. So I think there might be a little bit of a softer market for Mark, for Mike Evans than maybe he's expecting, but that's really not due to him. It's due to the, the extenuating circumstances around him in the draft and also with, with younger free agent wide receivers. Yeah, maybe I'm just thinking of that game in the in the uh, the Titans game where he just had that one of the worst dropped end zone passes I've ever seen. It felt like to me, though, he had a really good year. There's no denying that, but it did feel like he had more drops than usual. Did you see it that way, too, or no? Well, he had seven. Um, however, um, you know, I, I think Puka Nakua led the league with 13. Um, I, seven is, is an okay number, I think, if you look at, at kind of all of the Pro Bowl wide receivers. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 12. Um, you know, no one wants to see anybody drop passes. Uh, the, the touchdowns, those hurt more, right, when they're drops rather than a, 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 an outlet pass on first and 10. Those are more memorable. And I, I believe he did have two or three touchdowns that were dropped. But he also scored 13, and that's really where Mike uh, has has such a huge value to Tampa Bay and would have value to other teams. He is a touchdown producer. He set the Bucks' single-season record as a rookie for touchdown catches with 12, and then he tied that a couple years later. Then he, he toppled mm-hmm. that mark in 2020 when they went to the Super Bowl with 13. Then the next year, he broke his own record again at 14 with 2021. After a down year the previous season, he had 13 again this year. But then he also had two or three catches where he got tackled at the one-yard line. So he easily could have had 15 or maybe 16 touchdowns. So he is a big-time touchdown generator. And, yes, the drops are, you know, they kind of come with the territory and you don't want to see them. But seven drops in a season for a guy that's targeted as much as, as he is, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Scott Reynolds of the Pewter Report joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Let me ask you about his impact with Baker. You know, we went through a lot of uh, time here with Baker, and, and he had a lot of good wide receivers here, OBJ, Jarvis. Yeah. But it felt like it felt like between Evans and Godwin, it just I, – I, I, do you feel like they made Baker in having a Pro Bowl year this year, or do you feel like Baker just finally hit a point in his career where he can make some of the receivers around him – I, I'm not going to say make them look better because that's not true, but Evans put up really good numbers this last year. He really did, and and I think that it was a little lopsided. And in, in, uh, the previous system with Bruce Arians, you know, you think Larry Fitzgerald, right, in Arizona with Bruce Arians' offense, and then when, when uh, Arians got here in 2019, he kind of put Chris Godwin in that Larry Fitzgerald role, that slot receiver where the offense runs through the slot. And with Dave Canales' offense last year in Tampa, that really wasn't the case. Uh, if you, you think of, of Seattle with DK Metcalf out there, and that's the role that Mike Evans played, that X split in receiver, and it was really more the featured position, so much so that Chris Godwin felt a little slighted at times because he wasn't getting the targets because he was also playing outside receiver opposite of Mike Evans as a flanker rather than the slot. So um, – I just think that, that there was a, a big-time connection. And listen, Baker Mayfield's no dummy, right? I mean, this is, this is a four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. He, had, he was a second-team All-Pro twice. Um, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, there's no doubt. And he's also six foot five with a huge catch radius and averages about 15 yards per catch. So, yeah, throw it to the guy. He's going to make you look good. Uh, he made Johnny, Mel, Johnny Menzel look good in college, right? I mean, that was the big thing was – Entering the draft that year, both of those guys were first-round picks. 
Johnny Manziel went to a certain team, right? And uh, and then you've got uh, Mike Evans going to Tampa. And the big question was, did Johnny Manziel make Mike Evans or did Mike Evans make Johnny Manziel? Well, I think we know the answer to that now. And Mike Evans is going to make any quarterback look good, even Jameis Winston for a few years here in Tampa. Uh, you know, Scott, when you we, we speak about Baker Mayfield, um, I, you know, when he left here, I think, you know, some of the reports and rumors was he, he scoffed at $30 million. Uh, dollars. He he felt like he was he was way more than that, and he kind of bet on himself going into that last year. Um, you know, around the league and in Tampa Bay, uh, what is the feeling about him and how far he can actually take them in the playoffs? Do they think he's a a bridge guy, or do they think that if if they stick with him, give him enough weapons, that he actually has a chance to get him to you know the Super Bowl? That's a great question. It really is, and. You know, Tampa Bay's had two Super Bowls here in, in, uh, with the Buccaneers, and they've won both of them. They won one with Brad Johnson and a spectacular defense around Brad Johnson. And we're talking spectacular, like Warren Sapp, Derek mm. Brooks, Rondé Barber, John Lynch, right, four Hall, Hall of Famers, Simeon Rice as well. And, uh, and so but Brad Johnson, if you, if you take away the three pick sixes they had in that Super Bowl season, the Bucks' offense under John Gruden still put up enough points to beat the Raiders, it would have been 28 to 21. They still would have won even without those defensive touchdowns. But Brad Johnson was just kind of like a, a point guard, distributing the ball to the playmakers rather than being like a, a Michael Jordan, a Kobe Bryant, a shooting guard who's going to put the team on his back. Then you got Tom Brady, right? And we know what happens uh, to Tom Brady in his illustrious career, both in New England and, and here in Tampa, won Super Bowls. And so, the Bucks have won both ways, having a dynamic GOAT-type player in Tom Brady and then having that point guard. I think Baker Mayfield is more like Brad Johnson, a point guard, where if the Bucks are going to, to go further than they did this year, which is obviously the team goal to get to the Super Bowl and win it, they're going to have to put some more pieces around him because as good as Baker is, I don't know that he's elite. I don't know that he's ever going to be great, but I think he can be very good. He's a probably a top 12 quarterback and probably closer to 12 than number one. Um, but I think you're going to see him get some, some interest from other teams in free agency, and that might drive his number north of $30 million. So I do know this. He immediately ingratiated himself to the players. This team absolutely loves him. He's got grit, competitiveness. He's a great leader. And I think he's really been humbled by the fact that he is – been on four teams in the span of one calendar year, going from Cleveland to Carolina to L.A. and to Tampa, all in one year to go from being the face of the franchise to a literal journeyman quarterback that fast. And I think that sometimes in your career, to take that step forward, you have to take a step or two back. And that's certainly what happened during the 2022 season. And then Baker Mayfield coming to Tampa on a one-year prove-it deal made the most of it. And, um, and and he's going to get rewarded this offseason. Scott, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes as always. We'll check you out at the Pewter Report the way that we do, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. Sounds good, guys. Thank you very much. Have a great week. All right, you too. Scott Reynolds right there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I do think Baker got a little, a little humbled by all that. I think the humbleness might go away with the fact that he, he made the Pro Bowl again. But, you know, I, I, think, that, I think he got humbled. Four teams in, in a calendar year can do that to you. you. You know what scares you a little bit is when you're a quarterback and you're a first overall pick, it's almost a foregone conclusion that you'll get a second contract. Like in your mind, you're thinking, I, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll get another deal. It's just about how much and, and when it's going to be because I'm going to be successful. 
But he brought up a very good point. When you do four four quarterback uh, in stops in, in a calendar year, you start to question, like, hey, man. Um, and then there was rumors An of – eighth of the league has given up on me. What happened? I, yeah, like – and then there was rumors of, of some money stuff or money issues where, you know, I, I don't know if it was true. Some people, you know, said some mismanagement of funds. And you start to think, like, look, man, I got to get this next check. Sounds like some reckless speculation if I've ever heard it. I don't know. Reckless speculation. Uh, I, 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 mean, I don't. Am we talk to different people, Garrett. <laughs> you look so confused. Right I'm like, now. I thought that I could have swore that was him. I gotta Google that. You might have to Google that one. I I'm don't know. Google that one, man. Let me see. We gonna Ernie figure that out. Ran for president of Cuba once. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see, man. Let me get lit. Like, I'm gonna okay. find this. You wanna, I ain't you crazy. Find, what are you gonna? I, I'm dying to find out what your Google search actually is. Yeah, right. Uh, Baker Mayfield broke? Question mark. No. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield robbed financial advisor question mark? That, that's a good one let me go with that one I don't think that's going to give you what you want <laughs> I, I admit to you I'm I'm low-key pretty awful at Google searches I never I'm never inputting oh, the thing that they go. want that Google wants in order for me to get the the answer that I need okay here you go I um, constantly get it wrong let's go to let's go to uh shout out to you in that Google search you got it done did it really Forbes.com Baker okay. Emily Mayfield's 12 million dollar fraud petition they had a fraud petition? Yeah, um, Baker Mayfield against All right, against backed family. up the reckless speculation. What was it? I remember this now that you're saying I don't here. remember wow, this. So yeah. read, read it off to me, Forbes. What do we uh, got here? So uh, let's go ahead and click on that. Let's get this a work-sided page going here. Fraud? Um, Baker, Mayf- Baker and Emily Mayfield's $12 million fraud petition is unfortunately familiar for athletes. Uh, it says Baker Mayfield and his wife out of position in uh, Travis County, Texas, um, for more information about their Austin-based financial right, advisors. I'm sorry I asked you to read it. I didn't yeah. mean I didn't mean we didn't need to. I thought, yeah. I thought you'd do like the skim thing, you know I, what I mean? Where it's kind of difficult. We get to the we get to the heart of it. Some da 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 does in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why so, is it more satisfying to hear da 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 does than it is to hear him actually like read the article? Because the words suck. Because, thank you. That's exactly the reason. Because we're we're looking for confirmation, not the truth. Yeah. We just want to find what we we'll want find to... what that confirmation is. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah, dig yeah. deep. We'll get there. Uh, let me ask you though. There was an interesting thing you said about Mike Evans, and this is kind of how I think it can relate to the Browns in a big time way. He he said that Johnny Manziel worked in college because of Mike Evans, and the reason out of college where people wondered is it Johnny? Is it Mike Evans? Is it Johnny? Mike? Now in hindsight, it's very obviously it was always Mike Evans. Always. Always. And that's okay. Sometimes that happens in life. It takes us a decade to figure out that. Uh, yeah, Mike Evans is one of the best receivers we've seen in the previous 10 years. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. He is as good as you'll find. And maybe he was maybe he was lifting up Johnny Menzel. But some quarterbacks need that lift up. And and you can make you can make bad to mediocre quarterbacks look really good if you get the the right wide receiver. And in Deshaun Watson's case, maybe this is exactly the type of guy that he needs. I don't got no problem with him propping up Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. <laughs> It's one of the tenants. Hey, who knows who 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 is it for? Like maybe it's Deshaun, maybe it's Mike. Who cares? I'm in the results. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Chris Fedor coming your way at nine o'clock. We come on back. How invested are you with the Browns and upgrade at wide receiver? And Garrett's got a theory when it comes to Deshaun Watson. That and more.
It's Garrett Bush, Jonathan Pito, and in for Ken and Anthony with you guys right here on The Fan. Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin discuss the latest news surrounding Cleveland Browns Stadium and try to answer the question, is there a dome in the future for Northeast Ohio? During the new episode of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, subscribe now at 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app. Chris Fedor coming your way at 9 o'clock. We'll get to G. Bush's Deshaun Watson theory in just a second. G, I was just thinking about you the other day. When I think about reality dating and uh, and TV shows, yeah, I, I now I'm I'm lost in a little bit of a spiral right now. Have you seen that show Love Is Blind at all? It's on Netflix yes. right now. It's wildly popular at yes. the moment. Have you seen the big thing around it? No, I haven't. Okay, so there's this one. So for those that don't know, there's these. Uh, they, they they date in pods is what they're called, and they can't actually see people. My wife let me watch this show, and I've seen a couple of them. It's not the first time I've seen them. I I have a. We end up watching a lot of these type of shows. It's oh, just yeah. it's just what happens with us. My wife loves them. <laughs> loves them. We watch them. It is what it is. And so I so I'm watching the season, and this guy. So they they don't see the people, right? They just talk through the walls. They don't actually see the people. But one of the rules is you're not supposed to describe what you look like, right? You're supposed to you're supposed to. The theory is that you you fall in love with someone blind. It's it's you like their personality, right? So this guy, he's like asking her. He's like, he's kind of cheating a little bit. He's like, hey, so, what do what do you look like? What do you who do people say you look like? And she's like Megan Fox. And so he was talking to these two women, and this one woman says Megan Fox, and he's like, okay, guess I'm choosing you. You look more like Megan Fox than this lady does. Okay, like I mean, she looks nothing like Megan Fox. And uh, I, I'm now stuck in a, a TikTok wormhole of uh, love is blind and all this other nonsense, and I can't, I can't escape it. Like, I, this is so funny. You mentioned taking over the whole entire world. We are, hours. we are like tethered now, like subconsciously, because for about a month, I was laughing at people getting catfished on this new catfish show. And there's a new, there's a new one now. There's a new one where they basically go to the person and be like, "Hey, you're getting catfished. We've already did the research." Let's see how long it takes you to believe us. Like, these, oh, I would watch this. These people are. What's false. this on? I would watch this in a it's, second. It's on the internet. It's, it's, it's oh, it's an internet funded show. Yes. Okay. And so they're like, yeah, um, you've been sending this person thousands of dollars. We've actually traced where the money's going, and it always ends up in, in some African country. <laughs> and, you should, and you should see the uncomfortableness on these people's faces. They're like, well, oh, yeah, no one wants to get scammed. What? What? what but then you also, mean? you have your heart broke while getting scammed. That's the worst. Like, if I fall for a credit card scam, I'm just out money. It sucks, but I'm just out money. And, and you got heartbreak and you're out think money. About, think about it, bro. You, you're like, listen, I'm, I'm a little prejudiced, right? And I found out that my boyfriend was really not uh, from Scotland. He was this black guy in Nigeria. That hurts. <laughs> like, that's a double whammy. Like, Sometimes, well, and you you found your wife on the internet. Oh, so I that's, did. That's a that's a dangerous road oh, that you could have oh, gone oh, down. It's a, listen, it's a dangerous. Could you imagine if your wife wasn't your wife and you were really talking to somebody? Oh, I, listen. So what I do to like I I was just a creeper. Like I put yourself on camera immediately. <laughs> did you do okay. immediately? Okay. I, mean, I had you Facetime immediately. Immediately, like okay. she was walking down the street, like in Manila, and I was like, okay, you do exist. The thriller so, in Manila, yeah, right? But I'm these these people. It's it's crazy. <laughs> you do I, exist. You do exist. All right. You know I'm not, but I'm not doing that, I'm doing that. No, not on no personality. You sound like the Eminem commercial where they they see Santa, Santa Claus, Claus for the first time. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do exist. I do exist. Man, them them people be some people thought they was dating um like these people and turns out they're like U.S. generals. They're like uh, the picture that guy was using. 
Uh, that's U.S. General Sergeant at Arms <laughs> Ted Cruz. No, I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> Grayson Allen. <laughs> what? You, what do you? And, and then and you don't want to be mean. And some of these dudes, like, and and they're showing the generation that's getting caught up. It's not the young people. It's a bunch of people that are getting anonymous Facebook messages, and they're like sixty. And they're like, they yeah, don't even understand that this they is a concept. They don't understand that. that yeah, because if you're young enough, you know that this is a thing and you, you're kind of aware of it. And and then it all starts with. You yeah, do what you do where you're like, I need a FaceTime immediately. Immediately. Like, come on. Like, why would a 25-year-old, like, hot model, yeah, not really going to yeah. work, buddy. All right, you have a Deshaun Watson theory. And we're going to, Chris Fedor is going to join us coming up in 10 minutes. We got to ask him uh, whether or not the Cavs are soft as one question. We're going to go through uh, the LeBron Lakers theory as well with Donovan Mitchell. A lot to get to with Chris coming up in 10 minutes. But you had a thing on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they, you know, I, I came in and looked at the rundown and it was like, Deshaun Watson is thrown in March. And I was like, I wasn't on the rundown. It was one of the list of topics we had, but I didn't have anything more to say on it, to be honest. I was like, I, it's funny, that, you know, every now and then you have some of these topics that feel big, and then it's like, yeah, but what, what can I really add to Deshaun Watson throwing in March? But this is why I love you. You, you. you seem to have something. I was like, what you mean throwing in March? I naturally assumed he was throwing already. Like, I was like, uh... When I saw it, yeah. When I saw it yesterday, I had the same thought that you did. I, I, the way he's been talking on his YouTube channel yeah. and such, I was under the impression he was already throwing. That just, <laughs> well, I think we have to wrong define what throwing is, <laughs> right? okay. which is bad. Like, which, okay, it's kind of like I was like, I thought you was like a little bit. It's like you know, like you. I've had injuries before where they're like, yeah, so and so's above. Uh, you know, he's ahead of schedule. He's dunking the basketball already. You're like, oh, on an ACL, four months. I'll take that. But it's like the doctor saying, yeah, Garrett Bush is uh he's ahead of schedule. He'll be walking in, in you know, three more months. You're like, oh well, he's not walking. I, I mean, how does that work? Like, well, I think he, there's there's a difference. But so look, here, I'm throwing right there. I just threw you something. I caught right? it. I think right. I caught it. I threw something. That's not throwing that for ain't. an NFL quarterback, right? That's not setting up and taking your three step drop and driving through and you know, having foot placement and all that, right? And I think that's where Man. People are getting confused on the thing. And I'm with Garrett, though. I would assume he was already doing all of that stuff that quarterbacks are doing right now. Isn't that part of the rehab? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, now I'm convincing myself. I'm trying to think, is he even going to be participating in OTAs? I think that's what Mary Kay had said in her thing, was that it, that, that, was the, that was the hope. The hope was that he would be able to. I don't want to live in that I, realm of speculation. Right I, need, I need. Uh, yeah, that's I, fair. And, and think about it. I mean, he's going to have to be out there because there's a new offense out of thin air. It's not – I mean, obviously, they've stripped Kevin Stefanski of play calling. I haven't been around enough to ask you guys if you believe he'll call plays. I think that's a foregone I conclusion. I that that's obvious. That's out of here. Well, we can go down that road a different time. Yeah, okay. but – but I. so now that means you can't throw and you have a new offense. How are you going to get these reps? Then the question is – uh, well, but we, if, you can, if you can throw by March, then it's not really a big deal, right? But I'm thinking he's throwing like he's throwing. Okay, so you're thinking if he's if the only thing he can do by March is just a, a simple like toss game. Maybe maybe screen passes at best, but not <laughs> you're not really actually going back there and unloading. Just yeah, just but you know just going through the motions. That's doing physical therapy. That's not getting out there yeah. and, and with your receivers on a line and running around. Oh, I see what you're saying. What a rush! And then then I I'm, see what you're saying. Then I'm confused because now 
They ne- they, how how they, long is that supposed to take after that then? That's well, a, what, what do we got? Are we going to be till July? Get on WebMD real quick. And and, and and so do you? Well, but we're never going to get info on this because the the Browns have always been so shady when it comes to everything around Deshaun Watson and his injuries to begin with. Shady's the wrong he, word. Secretive. He, secretive on, is great secretive. too. I I kind of associate the two, but together. But yeah, okay. He he's pretty much not. Think about this. Secretive is the nice way of saying shady. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very nice way of saying it. He's he has even when he was playing this year, he wasn't throwing a ball in practice this year. He wasn't throwing this year. And then you said, oh, we got DTR. We never found out if DTR was that dude that they was going to ride with. He got hurt, too. So, like, are you going to come with DTR? You got Flacco standing well, there. Well, and then we got to figure out the backup quarterback situation and everything, too. This is a – all right. Well, maybe we'll get back to this a little bit later on. We got <laughs> to go to the NBA. Yeah, right. You unwrap something. <laughs> yeah. And it's not – none of it was good for me. I'm going to need days to process this, and I know you know that. All right. We come on back. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com with the latest on the wine and gold. Garrett Bush, John of the Beetle here with you on The Fan. All right. Back in here on The Fan. John of the Beetle and G. Bush. Let's go out to the North Olmstead. Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram Hotline, one of our favorites. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com joining us here on The Fan. What's up, Chris? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. How was your break? Even though I know it's not really a break because Donovan Mitchell still did a lot of things. It was a wonderful break. The fact that I just did not have to be in Indy, the fact that I didn't have to travel, the fact that I could be home with my wife and my son. It was everything that I needed to uh, get through the final grind of the season. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's funny that you put it that way because uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about what that grind is for the All-Star yeah. game and, and some of these players and everything. And and I, I think it kind of came up within the All-Star game conversation, so we'll start there. I, I, I gave Donovan and a lot of these players a pass because when you go and you've gone, to, I'm sure you've gone to the NBA All-Star game in the past where you, you get mm-hmm. like the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, all <laughs> the endorsement deals, all these parties you have to go to, all these things. You know it, Chris, by Sunday, these guys are they're spent. They're, they're, they're exhausted. They're just like, I, I don't want to do the game. Yeah, that's the thing about All-Star Weekend, right, guys, is that the game itself is is not what these guys look forward to. It's not what these guys care about. It's not what the weekend is even all about. It's the culmination of the weekend for sure. But it's all that other stuff that goes into it. Um, the media day, the events that they do with their shoe stuff, the events that they do um, just around town to embrace the community and all-star Saturday night has been the big thing, not so much the all-star game itself. So it truly is an event. You look at the game and it's just an afterthought at this point. Yeah. I, I thought Donovan and a lot of other, uh, other players looked disinterested in, in you know, the game, um, mm-hmm. which it, it couldn't be, you know, it could be worse. I, it, it makes me think that he's more <laughs> interested in the Cavs, you know, trying to, you know, get a number one seed. Like, I feel like Donovan Mitchell from the time of the year, first time of the year when we talked about him possibly being traded or whoever said he was getting traded, he's mm-hmm. done a lot to uh, re-ingratiate himself by the way he's played. Um, and I think he's made a lot of people forget about being traded. Is is that – do you think a lot of fans are buying into that now? I certainly hope so because since Donovan arrived from Utah on that blockbuster trade – He's done nothing but embrace this community, embrace this team, say all the right things, and do all the right things. You know what I mean? Like, in the first two years since he became a member of the Cavs, last year was a career year for him across the board, and this year he's been even better. He's been an Eastern Conference All-Star starter. He's been an Eastern Conference All-Star reserve. 
He's empowered his teammates. He's led the Cavs to 51 wins, and who knows how many they're going to get um, this year. He led them to their first playoff appearance um, in five years. So he is doing everything that, that pertains to winning basketball, and that's what it is about for Donovan. Um, for all the things um, that he cares about off the court, and he has interests off the court, there's no doubt about it. He has done um, everything on the court that you would want a superstar to do. And he's done everything in the community that you would want a superstar to do as well. Um, so I'm not sure what else he can do short of actually signing a contract extension um, to let this fan base and let this organization know that he is all in on them, um, certainly for the time being. All right, I'm going to set this up, and I'm going to try to do a good job doing it. So if you have any questions, just kind of play with me for a second here. All right, Chris? Okay. Uh, so I, I, I keep seeing things for the Lakers in the future, and they're trying to find a way to, you know, make a life post-LeBron while also being competitive. And the two names that uh -huh. keep getting brought up is Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan decides that he doesn't want to be a member of the Cavs, does LeBron owe Cleveland – anything in regards to considering the idea that uh, maybe Donovan Mitchell's untouchable because uh, he doesn't want to cut the calves down at the knees, or is it just LeBron just only worries about LeBron and that is what it is? Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about the calves anymore. He left the calves. He did what he did for the calves, um, everything that he needed to do for this organization. Now he's a member of the Los Angeles Lakers trying to make that organization the best that they can possibly be trying to allow him to further his career, compete for more championships, um, enhance his legacy even more. And if he gets the sense that there's an opening for another star player to join alongside him, I don't think he's going to say, Hey, Rob Polinka, don't go target Donovan Mitchell because that would be a bad thing for Cleveland. And that would be a bad thing for the Cavs. I certainly cannot see LeBron having any kind of thought of, of that. Um, and, and I don't think he should either. Um, it's a business, it's a cutthroat business and it's all about championships. Um, just like for Donovan Mitchell, it's about championships. It's about championships for LeBron James too. Do you feel like Cavs fans would be disappointed in LeBron if it worked out that way? No, I don't think so. I would hope not. Um, because like LeBron is not the GM. LeBron's not the owner. Of course, he's going to have say in, in what happens with that roster. And he's already had say in what happens with that roster. But I, I don't think Cavs fans should have any ill will. If down the road, Donovan Mitchell happens to get traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, but let's put it this way. The Cavs are not in the business of helping the, the big market Los Angeles Lakers by taking back their scraps simply because Donovan Mitchell or some other player um, may may find it appealing to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, Chris, um, you know, one of the, the, the major developments that uh, happened during the first part of the season is that we found out that Donovan Mitchell was pretty good at being the leader of the attack. Yeah. Uh, you know, they kind of, you know, changed the way they played, uh, you know, going with one big and four out, shooting a lot of threes, uh, mm -hmm. pushing the pace. Um has it been a little difficult for Darius Garland to kind of, I guess, assimilate into what they're doing now because he's used to having the ball and used to dribbling and, and being a creator? Um, and do you think that he will have to take a, I guess, a different or a lesser role moving forward uh, given the way that the style that they're playing right now? Guys, it has been difficult on Darius. It's been difficult on Darius 
for a variety of reasons. Number one, every time it feels like he's starting to get into a rhythm and starting to play like himself and starting to feel really, really good, something else happens that derails that. If you remember at the beginning of the season, he was dealing with a hamstring injury. It took him a while to get over that. And once he started feeling like himself, feeling like a part of the team, feeling like in rhythm, his old all-star capable self, he bashes his face into the hip of Kristaps Porzingis and he has a fluke injury that sidelines him for six weeks, has him eating out of a straw for four of those weeks, unable to do any kind of conditioning to, to stay in basketball shape for four of those weeks because the doctor said he couldn't raise his heart rate. So that's part of why it's been such a wonky season for Darius, and he's had a hard time you know, finding his place within this team is because this team has, has been without him for more games than it's been with him. The other part of it, guys, I think it's just natural, right? We can sit here and we can say that Darius or any player that we're talking about has the best intentions, um, wants to fit in, wants to do things to benefit the team and make the sacrifices that are required for this team to be great, right? Everybody wants to do those things, but doing them is not easy. You don't just snap your fingers and go from a ball-dominant high-usage guard to being super comfortable playing off the ball like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, right? You have to grow into that. You have to get reps with that. You have to get different kinds of opportunities throughout the course of the game to understand how to best be effective that kind of way. Darius Garland has been a point guard since he could walk. Darius Garland is used to playing a certain kind of way. This organization had a modicum of success with Darius playing that way. And now telling him, hey, man, like, you've got to change your game. He's trying. He's doing everything he can possibly do. He's getting off the ball. He's moving without it. Um, He's trying to um, pass the ball a little bit more so that he can um, fit in with this style where everything is making decisions quick and the ball is moving and they're passing at the highest rate of any team in the NBA, not named the Indiana Pacers. But it's just not going to be seamless because – he hasn't played that kind of way for um, much of his NBA career. You know, Chris, it kind of feels like the the core four, the importance on each one of them, and I don't know, maybe it's just Jared Allen playing as good as he has in the past couple months. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's shifted a little bit. Uh, does it feel that way for you as well? No, I think it's just shifted temporarily. Okay. Um, I, I think they found a style that was very, very effective for them um, at a time where both Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, two of those core four pieces – um, were sidelined, and, and I don't think anybody wants to do anything to disrupt that. I think, if anything, you know, Evan Mobley coming back wants to enhance that, and Darius Garland coming back wants to enhance that. And for all the conversations about Darius Garland doesn't fit with Donovan Mitchell, and it doesn't look as pretty as what you would want it to, and who knows if that's a long-term solution for the Cavs, Darius and Donovan together, when they've been on the court, despite the fact that Darius has not been the Darius that we know he's capable of. And despite the fact that majority of those minutes with Darius and Donovan together on the court came at the beginning of the season when the Cavs were still trying to find themselves and still trying to figure out how to blend in new pieces and match their new system with their old system and all those different circumstances. Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell together, when they're on the floor, they're outscoring opponents by nine points per 100 possessions. As a duo... That is better than Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. 
that is better than Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. That is better than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That is on par with Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and some of these other great tandems that you want to throw out there in the NBA. So even though both guys, in some ways, are still figuring it out, and even though the Cavs, in some ways, are still figuring it out, they are still a great team when Darius and Donovan are on the court together. So I don't know that the long-term hierarchy has shifted or anything along those lines. I just think the Cavs went on a run at a time that both of those guys were out, and since they came back, they only lost one game. Yeah. So it's not like those guys have been disruptive to what the Cavs were doing. Chris, the advanced numbers love Donovan's defense right now. Do you love it the same way, or is it being overvalued a little bit? Well, I love it to the the, the extent that he is fully committed on that end of the floor. He understands the reputation that has been attached to him. He's giving the kind of effort that you would want from a superstar. And look, if he's going to be in a starting lineup that does not include Isaac Okoro anymore, because it doesn't, because Darius Garland's back and Max Struess is now the starting small forward, like Donovan's going to have to take some of those matchups, right? Max Struess is going to have to take some of those matchups. Darius is going to have to take some of those matchups. You have to have a desire to do that. Um, and, and Donovan is showing that kind of effort. He's showing that intensity. He's showing a level of physicality. Um, and somebody, it's so funny that you bring this up, Jonathan and G. Bush, because uh, somebody from out of town was in the locker room um, following the Toronto Raptors game. And it was very close to the all-star break. And he mentioned that he thought Donovan should be defensive player of the year to Donovan, by the way. (laughs) And Donovan was like, wow, well, thanks very much. I mean, Rudy is a great defender. Listen to this guys. Like somebody's talking about my defense. They're not talking about my threes. They're not talking about my dunks. They're not talking about my scores. This guy over here is talking about my defense saying that I should be defensive player of the year over Rudy Gobert. And like Donovan loved that because he understands the reputation about him as a defender and he has definitely made a commitment to that will it hold up in a seven game playoff series when he's asked to do so much on the offensive end of the floor I think that remains to be seen Um, but you give him a lot of credit for the way that he has defended but we're not going to start giving him defensive player of the year putting him on all defensive teams or anything along those lines well listen I I will say this He, he he has dedicated himself to uh, you know, the uh, offense and defensive side of the court. Yep. Um, I got a question about the rotation. Um, you know, it's kind of tough now. Uh, you know, usually, you know, in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, when you you want to tighten things up, you play eight guys, right? Yeah. And you get a guy like Sam Merrill who uh, it just looks like he's a knockdown shooter. And you're like, man, right. how can I find more minutes for him? Or, you know, you look at Karis LeVert, who's the sixth man coming off the bench, or George Niang and Isaac Okoro, to me, has been pretty much, I think, the most one of the most improved players in the league, especially the way he's defending multiple positions and shooting the ball. How do you find, like, you know, is it a hit or miss, or do you just have to play who the hot hand? I mean, they all of a sudden got eight or nine guys that nine, yeah. ten guys can play. Like, what, how does JB go about figuring out that, that lineup? Guys, I think he's still trying to work through that. And and I don't know what the perfect solution is. Uh, the, the thing, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people around the NBA about this specifically. And the only solution that I can come up with, because there's just so many minutes to go around, and many of these guys play the same position, right? The guard spot or the wing spot or something along those lines. And it's like, 
depth was a problem for the Cavs last year. They had the 28th ranked scoring bench in the entire NBA. It showed itself in that first round playoff series against the Knicks. The Cavs bench was completely overmatched against New York's bench. But like that has become a strength for this team. Suddenly they're in the top half of the NBA in scoring. Sam Merrill doing what he's doing. George Niang making an impact. Karis LeVert in the conversation for sixth man of the year. You know, Craig Porter Jr. was a revelation. Tristan Thompson, when he was on the court, was better than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. He was making an on-court impact just as much as he was making a behind-the-scenes impact. Dean Wade going from starter to coming off the bench. He's become an elite on-ball defender, and he contributes to winning at a high level. Like, he's in two of the three most important Cavs lineups so far this year, just based on pure metrics. So a weakness has become a strength, and and I think JB has to continue to understand that, and he has to continue to believe that, and he has to continue to trust this bench. And I think the best solution for him, honestly, is just to take a few minutes here or there from each individual guy and hope that that adds up. So if that means Donovan going from 37 to 35, if that means Darius going from 34 to 32, if that means Karis going from – 30 to 28 if that means Isaac going from 28 to 26 like they cannot afford based on how they want to play and based on how dynamic he is as an offensive weapon and the attention that he commands every time he takes the floor the Cavs cannot afford to take Sam Merrill out of this rotation they cannot because he has enhanced this offense he has raised this offensive ceiling and that's problematic to me from JB's perspective that's a problem that he has um, limited the amount of time that he has gone to Sam Merrill and he has determined in his own mind, um, and we'll see if he's right or wrong on this, but he has determined in his own mind that there are certain matchups that are not favorable for Sam and he's not going to play him consistent minutes in them. And I think it's really, really um, risky to just go into a situation and, and say, you know, if, if you don't have it in the first half in that one stint that I give you, I'm going to go away from you because you have to keep confidence with Sam Merrill. You have to keep confidence with Dean Wade and all these other guys on the bench because there are going to be times that the Cavs are desperately going to need them in a seven-game series in April. And if their confidence level is what it was for Dean Wade, for example, last year in the first round of the playoffs against the Knicks, then you're not going to get the version of the guy that you got in the regular season that was so impactful to the Cavs winning 18 of 20 during one stretch. So I get it. JV has a lot to juggle, but, but that's one of the things that I think Cavs fans have to pay attention to. And JB has to pay attention to in the final 29 games. It's one of the most important aspects to me of the remainder of this regular season is keeping everybody a part of it that has been a part of it. Uh, Chris, we've got a couple minutes left here. I, I just want to quickly, Shaq was giving advice to Damian Lillard about being too soft with the Bucks, and I was thinking about it in relation to the Cavs. I, I don't know if the Cavs are, are too nice necessarily, uh, but I think without Donovan, maybe you could have made that case. Uh, do you feel like this team, at times, with if you didn't include Donovan, is a little too soft, a little too nice? I don't think anybody wanted to come out and say that, but I think the moves that they made this offseason pointed to that. And, and I think it was pretty clear that the front office saw a lack of physicality, a lack of toughness, a lack of playoff know-how 
if you want to put it that way, in the first-round series against the Knicks because who did they go out and get? This offseason, they went out, they got Max Struess, they got George Niang, and they got Tristan Thompson. You want to take a guess at who the three players on this roster are that have the most playoff experience? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, George Niang, and Max <laughs> Struess. So it was clear to me without the Cavs wanting to say, hey, like, we need an edge. We need a toughness. We need guys who understand playoff basketball at a different level. We need guys who have more of a readiness than maybe Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Darius Garland when it comes to understanding playoff basketball. Um, and, and I think you have seen it show itself um, throughout the course of this year. Like Max Struess is one of the league leaders in technical fouls because he plays with that kind of fire and that kind of passion. Tristan Thompson is never afraid to mix it up with anybody. George Niang might be at the top of the NBA in terms of dudes who trash talk the most. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty clear that the Cavs saw um, a, a big-time weakness in that department, and they addressed it this offseason and give them credit for addressing it this offseason. And, and with guys who also um, bring those things but happen to fit in the locker room as well. Chris, fantastic insight as always. Uh, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes and being generous with your time, and we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. All right, Chris. You got it, guys. Any stuff. All right, good stuff right there with Chris on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We come on back. Are the Cavs a little too nice? Do they have those tough guys that Chris was talking about right there? And we'll get to Mitch Please coming up in about 25 minutes as well. It's Jonathan Peel and Garrett Bush in for Ken and Anthony with you guys right here on The Fan. Chris Fedor joining us moments ago. G. Bush, Jonathan Peel here with you guys. We'll get to Mitch Please coming up in 20 minutes. That's, I mean, that's, it's interesting because a lot of people, I bet a lot of Cavs fans wouldn't recognize that. Yeah, um, some Cavs fans will say that that's just a product of Donovan Mitchell being so good. I mean, he has, he's having the best year of his life in terms of assists, rebounds. And even um, the defensive part that we brought in the equation as well. Like, right. defensively, he's been – I know it's a joke. Like, he was like, oh, hey, hey the, the reporter is asking me about defensive player of the year. It's like, all right, yeah, but really there are a lot of advanced metrics that love Donovan Mitchell's defense this right. season. Right. And, 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 and For a guy that was looked like a traffic cone for the majority of his career. I, I think, you know – you know, he's he's reaching that that pinnacle where, you know, you start talking about legacy and, yes, I've already made a lot of money. I'm going to get a max deal. I know that. But now he's starting to look at it like, you know what? This is my defining portion of my life. Like, you know, I, I mean, how many more years do I have in my prime? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you start to, you know, question your mortality and you start to say, like, okay, what have I really done? Like, there's a lot of great scores. Like, there's a lot of great guys that put up 30-plus a game. Um, but, you know, is my career well, going do, to be do you want to be? Do you want to retire being James Harden? That's a tough one. Like, do you want to go down being a three-time scoring champ, seven-time All-NBA, ten-time All-Star? Never want to ring. Even with Kyrie? One league, league MVP, average 30 points a game, often never want to ring. Even when you look at and, – and, and I think we look at people different, like – we look at Kyrie and Kevin Durant a little different because we kind of diminish their attributes because, yeah, they're great scorers. They are pretty much unstoppable if they do what they want to. Like, Kevin Durant's pull-up, can't touch that. Kyrie can finish any way he wants. He's a magician with the basketball, but we never put those guys in the top echelon of, of basketball because they didn't do it at a, a high enough level by themselves where they were uber uh, interested in playing defense and being good team leaders and 
and making sure that everybody was playing hard. They didn't do that. They were they known for being good scorers and good, solid basketball, really great basketball but, but players. But isn't our point here, though, is that Donovan, I think, is showcasing all the other parts? Yes. And I th- like Donovan's, he's being the good defender right now. He's being a fantastic teammate by all accounts. Like, I mean, he is, he's raising everyone else's game up. I talked about Jared Allen and that stretch where Mobley and Garland were off the court. Jared Allen would have been considered soft a large portion of his career. Yes. That little stretch there, he wasn't. He was playing hard with Donovan every single night, night in, night out. And he was, he was banging down well. He wasn't, he wasn't just being a pushover. I think people, people like to say, oh, we got, Do- we got Darius if Donovan leaves. Let me just be clear. Oh yeah, that's Do- not that's not good. Donovan Mitchell. I, I is, like I like I like Darius. That's he is not good. the leader. He is the unquestioned leader to see. Yes, yes. And I almost feel bad doing those interviews with people like Chris who cover the team and around the team because I'm like I, I'm sorry that every question goes back to Donovan, but every question goes back to Donovan because he's he's the guy. Like you know, like he, he like he does things on a nightly basis where. He, he's locked in, and it's hard to get your best player to be locked in all the time and say all the right things, but he just does. 216-474-0092. John in Cleveland up next on The Fan. What's up, John? Yes, gentlemen. Um, I was just responding to the uh, what he said in the Cavs too soft a little bit, but that's kind of because of Kobe Altman. That's what that, it seems like that's the type of players he targets, like dudes with you know nice personalities, like, he doesn't go after, like, he didn't go after T.J. Warren in the offseason. He went after, like, I mean, um, Niang, I guess. I guess he's tough, whatever. But I don't really see it on the court that what he brings to the team other than, I guess, his attitude because his, phys- his physicalness as far as uh, his athleticism is, is lacking. But, um, he, you know, he, he, he got rid of J.R. Smith. He, didn't, he don't like those dudes with, those, with that kind of street personality, it seems like, like uh, Kevin Porter Jr., um, he got rid of him, you know. He don't well, want I think he was right in getting rid of Kevin Porter Jr., was he not? No, I'm just saying he don't want nobody that's going to, like, cause any problems I mean, in the locker room. But some of them dudes is the kind of guys you need on your team because out on that court, they're not going to take no junk from another team. Like, until Jared Allen, when he got threw down by Ben Simmons and he got up and – He brought, he brought Tristan like, back, though, John. I mean, Tristan is about as tough as it gets. Yeah, but I wanted somebody that, that could contribute on the court, too. I mean, I know Tristan was – you know, I love Tristan, but – they could have targeted some 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 guys that was a little more with a little more off that can give you some on the court as well. But um, okay. I, I mean, I'm happy with the team. I'm happy with what's going on. But I thought they he he, he doesn't target guys that hmm. that got the street personality, the street personality, which is what you need on the court sometimes. Well, and so and the genesis of this, and thank you, John. I do appreciate you, man, as always. Though, like the genesis of this is it's the Shaq convo with Dame over All Star Weekend. He he says, "Hey, Dame, you and Giannis and Doc, it's going to fall on you guys." If you don't end up winning, and right now you guys are being too soft, you guys, you're not being hard enough on this team and telling them what they need to do. Gee, I kind of look at this roster with the Cavs. I think there are times where we could have gone down that road, but I feel like Donovan has brought a toughness to this team. I don't yeah. feel like they're soft, and I think Mitch has a good question before the show got underway. He was like, "All right, well, can you have your guard be your tough guy? Can a guard be your enforcer of sorts to make sure everyone gets in line?" Sure. Uh, I, I've got to be the right guy. Yeah, you just have to like because, like, like for instance, with the Warriors, Steph is not the Steph isn't that guy. Draymond's right. that guy. But Marcus Smart did it for years. Yep, Marcus Smart, and also I mean, in college, famously went into the stands right. too. Well, Marcus Smart is just I built think differently. When you, when you create your games, yeah. But but it is few and far between, though. But still, I'm just like that guy was the guy you don't mess with, right? You for don't sure. mess with this team because you know he's standing over there. 
He's just waiting for you. He's asking you to do it. He wants you to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Ron Artest, I don't know if you count him as a guard. or He's a small forward, but Ron Artest was a, a, a guy that was an enforcer. Yeah. I, I think you toughness doesn't necessarily have to be I'm physically punching you in the face. Toughness is – I, we we playing bad and we playing a, a, on the road to a bad team like Memphis, and I bring all the guys in and be like, "Come on, bro, what, what are we doing? We're not about to mm-hmm. just give this game up." Like, and I'll show you by me saying it, but I also showing it by instead of taking a ninety foot jumper, I'm gonna get to the free throw line and get some points to stop a, 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 a you know stop the bleeding. So I think you can do what you play too. Yeah, I wonder if that's almost kind of in a roundabout way being a leader of sorts. Yeah. Where like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant famously said how he didn't want to be, he's not a leader. He's a bucket getter. The coach is the leader. I'm a bucket getter, right? Like, like there are some people that are yeah. really good at that, and there are other people that aren't. And yeah. I, I don't know. I think Donovan falls in the category of being really good at that, and I think that's going to be one of the big differences from last year to this year is is trying to make sure everyone can get on the same page when things do go south. Because in the, in the playoffs last year, things went south, and Donovan didn't really know how to handle it. Because the, the, the lights got too bright, and Allen was out there telling you as much, and it felt like Donovan didn't have an answer. Well, Maybe this year he does. Donovan is tough, but he's not from jump tough. Like, he doesn't come out and go right away, like, the moment you step onto the court, if you do one little thing wrong, I'm coming after you. It kind of boils for him, right? Yeah, it, I can see that. It And it becomes like, okay, that's enough. And then once you've boiled over the top, then it's he lets it all out. I don't know that they have somebody that Tristan was kind of that guy, but he's on the bench, so it's really hard for him to be the hey, yeah. I'm gonna be tough right when we step. It's supposed to be Jared Allen, really. It's supposed to be. And he's been tougher. I think he's gotten better, but yeah, he was starting at the very bottom. Right. Correct. So two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Lance and Painesville up next. What's up, Lance? Hey, how you bros doing? Hey Lance. Good. Hey, I think um, as far as the tough thing goes, um, <clears throat> I don't think Donovan necessarily has to be in your face tough. I, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. They're looking for that guy that'll scream and get in somebody's face for making a mental mistake on the court or something like that. I don't think they necessarily need that. But I'm I'm sort of cautiously looking at this team as like a I'm still waiting to see I, I, what they do in the postseason. I, 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 even if they finish number one in the East. I'm still uh, – last year, the Milwaukee Bucks were number one, and they got knocked out the first round by a playing team, the Miami Heat. So, what they do right now in the regular season is nice, all the bells and whistles, but it's what you do in May and April, April May and June. is That's still going to determine whether or not – how far the Cavs get and, and whether or not Donovan Mitchell is going to stay with this team beyond this year. Yeah. Do we really need Donovan Mitchell? I mean, think about it. I feel like we do. Yeah, I, I'm thinking trade. I'm go you know, if, if if they don't get far in the playoffs, it wouldn't be a bad idea to look. You know, if you can get some talent comparable, which would be hard to do, but get you some pieces because people are, I think, putting a lot on Donovan Mitchell's plate, and, and they're assuming he can handle the weight. I, it's it's rather to be seen right now if he can handle pressure. Well, we'll find we'll place. we'll find out. And thank you, Lance. I do appreciate you. But it's going to be Donovan's call. That's not really the Cavs' call there. Uh, yeah, listen, I I think that, that people are jumping and they think they're they're underestimating the value of of Donovan Mitchell. Like, let's just be clear. Like, the dude is averaging twenty eight points a game. Like, 
he's averaging you know six five six rebounds six assists like like and playing good defense like it's that's tough to match he's incredible we come on back we'll get to mitch please and also i think it's coming to the future for you around the nfl jonathan beetle and garrett bush with you guys right here on the fan jonathan beetle and garrett bush with you guys now let's get to mitchapalooza as we do another rousing edition of mitch please what's up mitch Good morning, Jonathan. Uh, our clip today comes from ESPN's first take yesterday, just after we ended the show uh, yesterday morning. It was J.J. Redick who was talking about some comments that Milwaukee Bucks head coach Doc Rivers made uh, earlier this week on Sirius. J.J., his former player with Doc with the L.A. Clippers, had some uh, very choice words about his former coach. I've seen the trend now. I've seen the trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm -hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no (laughs) – there's never accountability with that guy. There's never accountability. Tell us how you really feel. I mean, that was hard. Wow. That was J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick on ESPN's first take yesterday. J.J.'s never shy with a take there, G. Bush. He's always the first one to really come guns a-blazing, so it yeah. doesn't surprise me that he came out guns a-blazing there. I think I think it was, it was kind of warranted. Like, Doc coming out saying, I don't even know why the Milwaukee Bucks even hired me like that. I'm like, what y'all doing? Y'all want me? Little old me? In the middle of the year? Psh, all right, I guess I'll come over and get this money. Like, he he's been living a long time off that Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce game. That, well, that the O A title. I mean, it's not like I mean that's you yeah. win it. You're, you're right. You you shouldn't win a, a championship. How many years ago was that? Sixteen years ago. Yeah, that's like so. I, like I, if you were born the year that they won a title, you're just now able to you're able to drive this year, and that's that's the amount of time it's been. It's a great thing. I remember watching that. My daughter was born like two weeks after that. I was in Vegas to watch that finals. She was born two weeks after she's... And now she's going she's through driving. the process. Of dri- yeah. It's incredible. Okay, so, I, I mean, that's Man. that's been a long time. There's no doubt about that. But what do you what do, what do people want Doc to say? Or, or is it weird that Doc is doing, like, a victory lap for being relevant still? I don't know. I, maybe that's the other argument that we're going down. You know how people go, man. Listen, people understand it. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right? That's why J.J. Redick is, you know, he's he's saying what he's saying, right? Like... Nowadays, players and coaches have platforms, and they just kind of, like, you know, they have to kind of say certain things to, like, compete in the space that we compete in, right? Like, you know, like, you think about it, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, like, he's calling everybody, but, you know, manager. You know, he's a manager, but a manager ain't a bad thing. Yeah, but Cam Newton also, within that discourse, got so many conversations started. Yeah. And is making a legitimate argument to be one of the top, if not the top, sports personality on YouTube. Yeah, like you live in the YouTube world, you know what that's like. He gets he has how many like a million subs or something insane. Cam, uh, Shannon Sharp is doing big numbers. Uh, you know Ryan Clark is doing huge numbers. Uh, and, and I've heard Cam Newton's philosophy on it. I think it's actually really smart. He's like, why why join ESPN when I can make my own ESPN? It adds up to me, but you don't. Even if you're Cam Newton, you still need people to come to where you're at. I I, th- I love I love everybody doing their thing. Like you know I I, I don't I even like. Deshaun Watson stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I, I like people controlling their own narrative. Right, of course. But then, I, I don't know, it felt like, it felt like you, you, you it, it kind of felt like you're saying J.J. said it just to say it. 
No, I think he believes it. I, I think that J.J. has put a stamp on the market as being a dude that's not afraid to say things about current players. Because remember, players used to never really call out other players. J.J. is kind of one of the dudes that got into the game early, right? You know, Rex Chapman got into the game early. Like, well, Rex Chapman was just posting, like, GIFs and retweets of fun, nice, kind things. Well, that's I wouldn't it. say I, – I don't put him in the same space as J.J. No, right? no, no. I mean – he got in early. He got in on the early part. Like how Michael Parsons is like, yeah, I still play, but yeah, JJ had the podcast while he was still old in man of the three. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. talking like how like Draymond, for instance, Draymond's yes. still playing, but Draymond's got the volume network and there he's doing all go. this stuff. Yeah, what you're yep. going for. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Still relevant, still kind of playing, but they obviously have a plan to get into broadcasting in a major way after they're done, which all athletes should. Yeah, I, I think they should. I mean, too. anyone that wants to have a voice in that, that you should be doing it while you're playing, it gives you all sorts of an advantage. Yeah, like like you, Pat Beverly's podcast, is it's incredible. I, listen, even, you you heard his instant reaction as he got traded. Like that's that's it's fascinating. Jeff Teague, uh, Paul George has one. Gilbert Arenas, I like all Gilbert Arenas stuff. Like I like, like Gilbert Arenas, that's a madman right yeah. there. <laughs> who, who didn't know he would be this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm the listen, and they call me the Duke of knee jerk. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like Gilbert, be really well, his knees. Gilbert be will challenge you to a duel though. Yeah, he's he, in the locker. Yeah, yeah, like he's hilarious. Right, that's one word to describe him. <laughs> I mean, any series when it comes to other things, evidently. Marcus and Aurora, finish us off here. What's up, Marcus? Hey, guys. Um, first, on Gilbert Arenas, you know, before he blew out his knee for about three years, he was he was unguardable. Uh, you know, and then I think he hurt his knee and didn't work hard enough in rehab. And and Reddick's a goofball, but I guess I got to agree with him. <laughs> and, and the best thing about Doc Rivers is last year, they're in the final, this game seven, Against the Celts, he lets them Celtics go on an 18 to zero run before he calls timeout. They were still in the game. After 18 nothing run, he calls time. You know, Phil Jackson, when he was coaching the Lakers, if the other team went on like a five nothing or seven nothing run in the playoffs, he called timeout. So, yeah, Doc, something else. And, he, and by the way, Jimmy Haslam signed off on him. So. You guys are the best. Oh. I appreciate it. Thanks, that Marcus. is a crazy way to think of it. He, I didn't Jimmy, think about that. That's crazy. Like Jimmy did kind of sign off. You think Jimmy's actually signing off on all that? He's a very, I mean, he's a meddling owner. We know that. But you think you think that's what he was doing? Nah. I don't think so. He's not making Columbus crew I don't moves. think so. I know we like to put everything at the feet of Jimmy. I, I, let's not put everything at the feet of Jimmy, though. Yeah, we can't say that. Can't say that. Thank you to Mitch Palooza. Thank you to Owen. Appreciate the two of you. G. Bush, appreciate you for hanging out with me, man. Yeah, it was good hanging out. You know, good to see you. Uh, tell the family. Uh, get to hear, uh, you know, best regards. I'll let them know. You tell the missus I said hi. Yeah, yeah. You know, take you watch. The other the other day it popped up on Facebook. I was like one of her uh, like top friends or something like that. I got like a badge. It was like a badge that popped up. It was like <laughs> you've liked her, more of her content than most people. Yeah, yeah. You're like, one of her top fans, and I'm look, like, yes, I am. Yeah, like like hell like, yeah, I am. Look at you, you got stars. That's right. I, I it's kind of creepy. Like when you Google who Garrett Bush's wife is, she comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. That's kind of crazy. I appreciate you, man, as always. All right, man. Uh, Hopefully, Ken will be back tomorrow. He was dealing with it. He was just under the weather today. I'll be back with him tomorrow as well as Friday. Baskin and Phelps come your way next right here on The Fan. Hey, 
Sounds good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.